Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Coven members, we have some important information for you regarding Georgia's upcoming Senate runoff election! So, you might be thinking, didn't we just have a really painful election? Mm -hmm. And haven't I already seen these people's names on a ballot and aren't we done yet? But Mm -hmm. no, there is an upcoming runoff election in the state of Georgia. It is incredibly important. So, what the heck is a runoff election? Under Georgia's laws, a Senate candidate needs to hit 50% of the vote in order to avoid a runoff. So, in the election in November, neither of the state's current Republican senators, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, reached that cutoff, meaning both contests will go to a runoff election on January 5th. 2021. Mm-hmm. And these two races will decide control of the Senate for the first two years of President elect Joe Biden's first term. But here is the key Democrats need to win both races in Georgia mm-hmm. in order to control the Senate. Okay? Mm-hmm. So many important pieces of legislation hinge on these races protecting the Affordable Care Act protecting folks with pre-existing conditions, helping folks financially and also medically during this pandemic, dealing with student loan debt, basically anything on Joe Biden's agenda that you support, any kind of progressive idea whatsoever. Yeah, we need to win these two Senate runoff elections in Georgia in order to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So... If you listened to our Pandemic Problems episode, you will remember my case revolved around Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler and 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 their suspected insider trading for which they've been investigated. Kelly Leffler was insider trading Barbie. Her husband is the CEO of the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange. She has a background in stock trading Mm -hmm. and she got classified coronavirus briefings back in January and then instead of warning her constituents about the very real threat of the coronavirus and COVID-19 she decided to sell off all her stocks to make money and invest in stock that she knew would also skyrocket yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of craven person that is currently representing the state of Georgia Mm-hmm. Purdue, no better. He did similar stuff around stocks. He also has repeatedly voted against protecting people with pre-existing conditions and then lied about it. Mm-hmm. Both Leffler and Purdue have downplayed the threat of coronavirus and endangered the lives of millions of Georgians. They're bad news, people. They're bad. Mm-hmm. They're not great. So their opponents on the Democratic side are John Ossoff, who is an investigative journalist who has fought tirelessly against corruption, and the Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is a pastor at Dr. Martin Luther King's former church, and he has also done a lot of work for Medicare and the ACA. So 
mm-hmm. very good options there. Should mm-hmm. these two be elected, they have both committed to co-sponsoring and voting in favor of the Equality Act, which is a crucial federal piece of legislation that would finally guarantee explicit protections for LGBTQ people under our nation's existing civil rights law because that doesn't currently exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their opponents are both anti-LGBTQ extremists who will, will undermine the rights and well-being of that community. It is crucial to do everything we can to ensure that Ossoff and Warnock win their races. That cannot be overstated. So for mm-hmm. Georgia voters, here are some key dates to remember. December 7th, voter registration deadline to vote in the federal runoff election. You must be registered by December 7th. Mm -hmm. Then on December 14th, advanced in-person or early voting begins. So you can vote as early as December 14th. Get your vote in when you can. Highly recommend that. As we've mentioned, January 5th, 2021 is runoff election day. Big day. As a side note, huge, huge. As a side note, if you will turn 18 by January 5th, 2021, then you can register right now to vote in this election. But crucial, check your registration status because Republican politicians have purged voter rolls in recent years. So you need to double check that you are still registered or you can find out how to register at Georgia.gov. Make sure you do mm-hmm. that. So important. And you don't need to live in Georgia to get involved. You can join us, us gals, in the fight to flip the Senate by donating and volunteering with Fair Fight, which works to promote fair elections in Georgia and around the country, encourage voter participation in elections, and educate voters about elections and their voting rights. And of course, you've probably heard of Fair Fight before because it's founded by national treasure Stacey Abrams. And you can find out more at fairfight.com. So get out there and let's flip the Senate. Let's do do it. it. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. We do. We do. It's the truth. We have fun here at Wine and Crime. We do. I'm Kenyon. Oh, I'm Lucy. I'm a man and I have something to say. Oh, great. (laughs) Couple things. One, first of all, we were going to record yesterday, so I showered. I got all glam. It was like a whole thing. You looked so good. You did. She looked glam. Right? And I even filled in the little part of my eyebrow that I accidentally shaved off in a dermablading aggressive incident. So you can see it right here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Didn't fill it in today because fuck that. Yeah. But yesterday that was filled in. Yeah. Okay. And also, if you see a flash of a little white hairball in the background, Mm -hmm. that is Blanche. And he is a five-month-old lion head rabbit. And he is a rascal. (laughs) And he's Blanche. Blanche Dubois. Blanche Dubois. (laughs) This is Amanda's latest uh, gentleman friend. I love him. And he's finishing out menagerie. He's finishing out his last day of uh, like pound puppy quarantine to make sure he didn't get any kind of kettle cough. And then Mm -hmm. I can introduce him to Albus. So I'll send some video. Bless you. Yeah, I think that union is going to be interesting because Albus is a loaf of bread that does nothing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and is like five years old. Does nothing. Nothing. Alvis <laughs> tolerates everything perfect. and does nothing. He does steal cardboard toilet paper roll. Holders. He loves cardboard. He's currently working on a wicker like toy ball that's for rabbits that I got him. He is destroying oh. it. Oh. And he loves uh, to try and take tortilla chips directly out of your hand or mouth. Mm-hmm. These are things he likes to do. Those are his only hobbies. That's his personality. <laughs> Well, now, that know about, what, now that we know what a rabbit is, right? can we get back to I'm just show? saying, today I'm wearing the clothes I slept in. I did put on a bra. I did not put on any makeup, and I ran a comb through my hair. So you're just getting day after, Amanda. You're not wearing makeup? You look beautiful. Yeah, you look good. Your hair looks amazing. I'm wearing... Okay, well, not uh, with that face. Sample lipstick from <laughs> Sephora. I and love I a good sample. Milking that simple sample. All right, what the fuck are we doing here? Oh, oh my right. god! Hi. Okay, this is our podcast so- where I talk about rabbits and not wearing deodorant. For <laughs> well, we have a very special fan pick this week, brought to you by our fan picker Caitlin Jennings. Oh. And uh, we would like to wish Caitlin a very happy early birthday. It's your early birthday. And then listen to this again on your birthday. And it's your birthday. At this point, (laughs) it might not be such an early birthday because we had to scoot this sucker around a couple times. Oh, we did. It might be your belated (laughs) birthday. Happy birthday. Happy belated. Wait a year. Listen to it again. And happy birthday. (laughs) Whatever. We're doing our best, okay? Sometimes episodes have to get shuffled around, and that's because we are three flawed humans. Mm -hmm. Very flawed humans. (laughs) That's our Very flawed, barely humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Caitlin has selected the topic of intellectual property crimes. Sure has. Which Mm. we're very excited about because we have a very, very special... Wine pairing. That Wine we do. Pairing. Shall we? Take it yeah. away. Well, you know from however many episodes ago we first talked about this, that we've launched our own wine. It is our intellectual property. The gal's sure wine is. And it's gorgeous. And if you're watching us on Patreon right now, you're looking yeah. at me caress this bottle. Look at the label. Look at the Give label. Give it a kiss. She's so cute. Um, we have three different wines currently available. You can uh, purchase them by navigating to our website, wineandcrimepodcast.com, and just clicking on that wine tab, and that'll take you right to where you need to go. We're currently selling a rosé because it's time for rosé always, all year long. Mm-hmm. A red blend that is a Grenache oh. and Syrah and Merlot. So good. So good. But today... We're going to drink our Chardonnay because, yes, we did make a Chardonnay. Yeah. We found a Chardonnay that we actually really like. Mm-hmm. Turns out miracles do happen. Yeah. Good Chardonnay exists. Challenge yourselves. Do, yeah. do what scares you. Challenge, accept it. <laughs> Take a leap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what makes this, as it says on the label, like this isn't your grandma's Chardonnay, okay? Because it's aged in neutral oak. And it is a Central Coast California Chardonnay. So it's very crisp. It's a little more delicate. Mm -hmm. I personally think it drinks more like a Sauv Blanc. 
Like I if, think it's in between, honestly. Yeah. I think Chardonnay fans and Sauv Blanc fans will a like it. A thousand percent. And I love it. And I am very picky with white wine. Mm. It's really, really good. It's also a very small batch. We only did 50 cases of uh, this wine. So get her while she's hot, but she shouldn't be hot. She should be cold. Served, mm-hmm. chilled. Chilled. I still have not moved all of the items that belong to me and belong on my bar from my old apartment. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So I'm also drinking this out of a plan ahead, salt your dead bar glass, which is currently available on the online store. Yeah, wine and crime podcast at bigcartel.com. These are gorgeous. They're available in sets of two. Mm -hmm. They're an etched etched, glass with like a bumpy bottom. Or no, they don't have a bumpy bottom. They have a flat bottom. Flat Flat bottom, but like a heavy weighted bottom. They're good. They're They're quality. They're thick. They got Really nice. I'd recommend mm-hmm. hand washing them, but if every once in a while you're over it, it won't melt in your dishwasher either. So it's like, it won't win, 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 win. But it might, it might get a little bit dusty. So yeah. I would recommend hand washing, That's of what course. I said. But it's not the same plastic fucking yeah. patriarchy no, flexible situation. These Le- are too legit, legit to quit. Mm-hmm. So you know, intellectual property crimes. Why not be hella obnoxious and? Promote, promote all of our own shit. <laughs> yeah. Lucy's wearing a gossip at the corpse cart sweatshirt. We're fucking doing it, people. We I've got a nice pop worst. wine key. Mine is in a box somewhere, and I'm really Always sad about it. Always be branding uh Always. So I'm going to dive into the process of opening this wine, and hopefully not- I already started drinking my wine. Good girl. I'm oh, not I've had a break couple a of cocktails, which will be obvious when I break into my segment, which is a lot of legal jargon. Love it. <laughs> All right. Are we ready? <laughs> yes. Here so we go. <laughs> it's Gina. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. What a magnificent pop. Maybe the best one we've ever done. It's pulp. It's Just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yes, 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 yes. Well, that's yes, a yes. good coloring. It's mm. oh, it smells so nice. It has like an almost like an apple on the nose. Yeah, like a green mm. apple. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's it's so like tasty. fresh, springy. If your urine is this color, then you need to drink more water. Drink more is water. what I've learned. In oh the my last god, few it's so years. good. Well, if your urine is that color in the morning, that's fine. But like yeah. midday, not great. Yeah, you gotta drink more water. Okay. Anyway, right. cheers. Cheers. Speaking of urine, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lucy. What is our background and maybe psych for intellectual property crimes? There's I no hope there's psych. only psych. There's no psych. <sighs> I'm leaving. Okay. So before I start. A lot of these notes are copied and pasted because it's a lot of legal definitions and legal jargon, but I did cite everything in my notes and it will be cited on our website because I did not steal the intellectual property <laughs> of the authors of these articles. I was going to say researching yeah. intellectual property. Theft. That would be a really, okay. really cool flex, though, if you did. Yeah. Yeah. Weird flex, but cool yeah, flex. Yeah, I was going to like hyper-cite everything that I say, you but know what? like- we, There are moments mm. in mine too where I'm like, I don't understand electricity. I'm not going <laughs> to rewrite this. I'm not going to editorialize this nonsense. Are you Cats fucking and kidding wigs. me? As Cats long and as wigs. I, as long as, well, yeah, that's what happens when I 
Yeah. When I try to editorialize. It's my... not a good it's not a good idea it's if you want to be able to follow along with what's happening. We do Correct. list all of our sources on our website on the yep. blog. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and most of them I cite verbally during yep. my We notes. also do that. Yeah. Yep. We try but to make you know, quotes. Like, all sources are cited on our website in case you yeah. had any questions. And the only reason we don't list 100% of them out loud verbally is because sometimes, like, I will use, like, 30 sources for a case sometimes. In one uh-huh. sentence. Yeah. So it, it the, our episodes are already long enough, dear God. Yep. You don't want this. No. Yeah. Okay. According to the World Intellectual Property Organization, the WIPO... WIPO, WIPO, World Intellectual Property Organization. The wet-ass property organization. (laughs) Quote. (laughs) (laughs) I have to make this interesting. I can't. I can't. (laughs) I appreciate it. According to the World (laughs) Wet-Ass Pussy (laughs) Intellectual Property Organization, the (laughs) Wawapoo. Wawapoo. Quote. Hoes in this house. Just kidding. <laughs> There's some hoes in this house. I fucking love that song. I don't care what anyone oh, says. It's okay. so good. It's so good. Quote, intellectual property or IP refers to creations of the mind, such as inventions, literary and artistic works, designs, and symbols, names, or images used in commerce. So IP is protected in law by, for example, patents, copyrights, and trademarks, which enable people to earn recognition or financial benefit from what they invent or create. By striking the right balance between the interests of innovators and the wider public interests, the IP system aims to foster an environment in which creativity and innovation can flourish. They can't. Because basically, what's the point in creating something if somebody's just going to steal it right from under you? You guys, it's actually so perfect that we're recording this today because Mm. part of the reason I didn't sleep a wink last night and now I'm operating on like four cups of coffee at 7 (gasps) p.m. You can't tell at all. You cannot tell at all. You just wait until you get to my notes. They're written very specifically. I got sucked into that movie Joy about the woman who makes the mop the for like wipers. PVC. Oh wait, that's a different. Okay, yeah, yeah the, mop. the mop, the mop, yes. Jennifer Lawrence. The windshield wipers is a different one though. Jennifer Lawrence. The windshield mm-hmm. wipers is another uh, similar. Yeah, but that is some intense IP legality. Yeah, honey, and, and I love J Law, but I did not love that movie. I didn't okay. like it the first time I saw it, but last night at three it. in the morning, I, I was liked it. really into it. I liked mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I think mostly because I love J-Law. I do. She's I okay. Her. Yeah, she's good. She's fine. Winter's Bone was really good. So good. Winter's Bone was so good. Okay. So this is a quote from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Cite it. Wikipedia. Get excited. (laughs) Quote, the intangible nature of intellectual property presents difficulties when compared with traditional property like land or goods. Unlike traditional property, intellectual property is indivisible since an unlimited number of people can, quote unquote, consume an intellectual good without it being depleted. Mm -hmm. So like it's, it's not a finite product. You know, so there's like Mm -hmm. that that's the difference. 
Additionally, investments in intellectual goods suffer from problems of appropriation. So a landowner can surround their land with a robust fence and hire armed guards to protect it or build a moat, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But a producer of information or literature can usually do very little to stop their first buyer from replicating it and selling it at a lower price. Mm -hmm. Balancing rights so that they are strong enough to encourage the creation of intellectual goods, but not so strong that they prevent the goods wide use is the primary focus of modern intellectual property law. So there's a balance here. Yeah, we're well, dealing you, with a balance. You want, when you publish, you want a lot of people to consume your product. You just mm-hmm. want to reap the benefits of that and not have it exactly. be reproduced by it, sleazy people. Exactly. Mm. Dr. Phil. Dr. Mm. Phil. So intellectual property can be split into six different types. In some respects it's four different types but this are you, you know, okay it spread my nose out <laughs> farther yes i'm trying to stifle a burp it's she fine. fully slammed a shot before we started and you can tell it's creeping up right now it's and fine. i love it it's fine <laughs> for the it's listeners at home there's a lot of clutching the chest and like i had to burp i have squinting. gashes <laughs> for the watchers at home did i Number say listeners one. i'm also drunk let's do this copyright Copyright is a legal term used to describe the rights that creators have over their literary and artistic works. Works covered by copyright range from books, music, painting, sculpture, to film, uh, computer programs, databases, advertisement, maps, and technical drawings. So, like, copyright is, like, sort of the basic. Podcasts, maybe. Uh, Sounds like it would fit in that. We'll see. Well, actually, we needed to have Julian on as a guest. These our six, lawyer. These, these <laughs> six different that. types, I think <laughs> that really like they kind of they kind of bleed together. Like this is clearly why there are different like IP type lawyers. It's too much. I don't get it. Type two patents. A patent is an exclusive right granted to an invention. Generally speaking, a patent provides the patent owner with the right to decide how or whether the invention can be used by others. In exchange for this right, the patent owner makes technical information about the invention publicly available in the published patent document. So when you think of a patent, that's an, in- that's an invention. That's like, mm-hmm. oh, I made that, that duck that like dips into the bowl of water. <laughs> and I'm... Keeping the design. Exactly. Right. It's mine. You file a patent for an invention. But to prove that it's yours, you have to release that information. It can't be secret. You can't be Mm -hmm. like, I invented this thing. Trust me. You got to claim it. Uh, I can't tell you how it works. You have to like, as far as I'm aware, you have to like present your blueprints, like your, like how this Mm -hmm. came about. You have because to prove somebody that you else, were the one to invent it. Yes, and also somebody else could tweak it, right? And then get their own patent. So your design has to be mm-hmm. concrete. It has to be exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Sure. Well, sure, sure, also sure, this sure, like sure. IP laws, like all of these, like I just said, were are they're so melted together, like they're really subjective. So the uh, trademark law, copyright law, all that kind of stuff. Bird kind law, of blend. Bob, blah, 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 blah. It's, 
it's highly specialized because it's so prone to litigation. Makes and sense. Actually, we'll get back to this mm-hmm. in a personal anecdote from myself. Oh. From a friend who has a piece of shit husband. <gasps> we'll get to it. Love this. My favorite kind of story. We'll get yep. to it. <laughs> Loves okay. me a piece of shit husband. Then we get to a trademark. A trademark is a sign capable of distinguishing the goods or services of one enterprise from those of other enterprises. That so, one we know. Yeah. Trademarks trademarks actually date back to ancient times when artisans used to put their signature on their products. They like carved a, like a, a tiny Like an TM. actual, like a hashtag or a, If like you a, look at the foot of uh, Michelangelo's, like the David, mm-hmm. it just says TM on the bottom. No, well, it doesn't. Well, a lot of artists did. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of artists did sign their work, though. Oh, yeah. No, still do. Yeah. yeah. That is literally the point. A yeah. trademark, it's like a little signature. Mm-hmm. That's like what they, that's, this, this is marking their own work. Why do companies feel the need to put the little TM on certain things when like a lot of things are trademarked and only some of them have the little TM after them all the time? You know what I'm saying? I think that would be an extra step. I think if, if like a, if, Okay, let's just say a doll or something mm-hmm. had the TM, and then you had an identical doll that didn't have a TM. No, this is a bad example. Okay, <sighs> what I'm saying is, I think some you put a wig on a cat. Some stay with me. Some wigged cats choose to have the TM, and some don't. Mm-hmm. But I think if you have the TM, that's sort of like telling others, like, back off. Like, I right. have this trademarked. Whereas if you don't have but, the TM, then you're just like kind of like waiting for the lawyers to come. You know what I mean? So it's like just I don't too, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary either. Like if they didn't include it, it would still be trademarked. Exactly. Right. I think it's probably yeah. just personal preference, and everybody's going to have a different level of uh, like security in terms of how they mm-hmm. feel about their intellectual property Mm -hmm. and how they want to claim it as their own so Mm -hmm. either way like whatever i support it it doesn't harm me salty about it because i had to design my mom's business cards Mm -hmm. for her realtor life and her realty company that she technically works for like they had to have the little tiny tm next to their logo on her business cards and it was annoying I don't know that it's required because... <laughs> That's because why you're salty about it. <laughs> you had to shrink a font. This yeah. might This might come down to the different types of, like, IP, legal jargon, whatever. Mm. I think that it's a choice. Okay. But, Just like, put okay. it out there. But think of, like, at, like Etsy producers, like, Etsy artists, you know, like, they tend to produce, like, a lot of them produce, like, kind of, not knockoffs, but, like, very similar products to, like, more common, like, something that, like, Crate and Barrel, for example. Well, I mean, there are random makers example on Etsy that make, like, wine and crime fan stuff. Like, right. it just, it happens. It's not our exact design, so there's, it's, like, whatever. But we're if fucking it- coming at you. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. If it were very similar to one of our existing designs, yeah. If it's going to confuse consumers about what's like, you yeah. know, uh, you know, like fan canon art and what's 
actually coming from our website, then yeah, we're probably going to have a conversation, but we really haven't run into anything like no, that. we haven't had any real issues. Bottom mm-hmm. line, none of us are lawyers, so we don't actually know, but also we do have a lawyer, so and like- And we'll kill you. Don't <laughs> test us. <laughs> <laughs> but also, please don't make us pay for our lawyer because we love him, but we can barely afford him. Mm-hmm. So like, we fine. pay him when we need him. That's not what we're saying. But, like, pay him more to sue you? We're sounds, saying don't test us. Sounds tough. <laughs> oh, okay. God. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Industrial designs. So an industrial design constitutes the ornamental or aesthetic aspect of an article, meaning like a like a random thing. A design may consist of three-dimensional features, such as the shape or surface of an article, or of two-dimensional oh. features such as patterns, lines, or color. So oh. an, ex- so an like, example. You could have like a chair. Like the design like you didn't for invent a chair. like a chair, but you invented like. Th- that, sh- that shape and color of yeah. a chair. Yeah. Right. Those so materials. An yeah. example of an industrial design is uh, the Herbal Essences shampoo bottle. With like the the clicky green cap, <gasps> um, and that tapered shape of the bottle. TM. Yeah. So <gasps> that is a that is an industrial design. That is a piece of IP. A piece cool. of IP industrial in in the industrial design like umbrella. Mm-hmm. I like that. Another example is that Birkin cargo bag with that offset front pocket and the cup holder on the side, which like. Hello, why would you pay that fucking much for a bag with a cup holder on it? But like, I've never not judging, but super judging. But I've like, heard of Birkin bags, but not the Birkin cargo bag. Oh, that's just the Birkin bag. Is no, it? the Birkin is a is like it's a is, is a bunch of different. Also, bags. why is it so similar? It's to under Merkin. Hermes, I think. Oh, I do not Hermes Birkin bag that has like a Pop bunch of different bags. Older mm, says, bag. says the woman who could never afford one of these bags. Mm, I don't like that. All <laughs> of my Googling is I have nothing up. to do with a Birkin bag. I don't like the cup holder one. All no, of, all of my Google cute. searches are pulling up the cup phone, which is trademarked <laughs> as seen on TV. Either way, you don't want this particular Birkin bag there. No. I said it. No. If a magical bag Santa were to come down, this would not be the bag you would want. Moving along, geographical indications and appellations of origin are signs used on goods that have a specific geographical origin and possess qualities, a reputation, or characteristics that are essentially attributable to that place of origin. Prime example, obviously, on our show, champagne. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Most commonly, a geographical indication includes the name of the place of the origin of the goods. So the basic concept underlying these geographical indications is simple and familiar to any shopper who chooses Roquefort over blue, meaning the cheese. Oh, um, Roquefort. Dar- Darjeeling over black tea, cognac or scotch or Porto or Havana or tequila. These are some well-known examples of names associated throughout the world with products of a certain nature and quality. Like Kleenex. That's a brand name. That is different. That's this different. This is geographical. That's a brand name. These are then geographical. Never mind. She wasn't listening. She, <laughs> she was, was looking not. at the Birkin. I she was, was looking, looking at, at the Birkin. Birkin. Yeah. You are These are geographical. <laughs> 
a la champagne. <laughs> Got champagne. it. It's a champagne Got concept. It. Yep. Got it. Known for their geographical origin and for having characteristics linked to that origin. And also, I, I have to say, these geographical indications are not limited to agricultural products, although a lot of them are. But it's not limited to. Bourbon is kind of a... Uh, bourbon might fall under this. Well, scotch and cognac fall under this. So I and think- tequila... I think bourbon is is has to be geographically Kentucky bourbon. Yeah, is bourbon like an American South? Well, it, it has other characteristics, like you said, that link to quality as well. That I mm-hmm. always forget, no matter how many times people tell me. And please do not email us because Don't I email us I will Google it again do for not the email us time. Any of this, <laughs> but I've looked it up like so many times. It's fine. I will look it up again. <sighs> But something about corn, whatever, moving on. Yep. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Something well, about corn. I, uh, fuck it, I hate Also, this ge- these geographical indications, like markers, they have to be applied for, they have to be approved, they have to be, like, official. It's a pain. So, I mean, maybe your corn whiskey has some of these attributes but, the, but they might not be like officially like stamped and approved i don't know i, I don't think know bourbon, yeah you know what i think bourbon maybe isn't geographical but it is these other thing appellation things like it has to be whatever but i get confused about that because jack daniels is tennessee whiskey not bourbon Whatever, moving also, on. Also, Iowa has really good bourbon, too, because of our corn, but that has nothing to do with, like, the terroir or the whatever. So Yeah, so ignore maybe, me. Maybe bourbon is not, not one. one of those. Moving on to trade secrets. So trade secrets are IP rights on confidential information which may be sold or licensed. Mm. And uh, isn't trade secret, like, a lingerie brand? I think Victoria's it's a shampoo. Secret? No, not Victoria's no, Secret. No, it's like a shampoo. Or a store? Shampoo. I don't think it's a shampoo. Next. I'm Can looking it up. On. Next. <laughs> the unauthorized acquisition, use, or disclosure of such secret information in a manner contrary to honest commercial practices by others is regarded as an unfair practice and a violation of the trade secret protection. In general, to qualify as a trade secret, the information must be, one, commercially valuable because it is secret. Right. Two, so you can't be like, Polly is a huge fucking cunt. Exactly. In HR. Exactly. That's illegal for different reasons. It's got to be valuable secret information. I mean, that's valuable to me, but it's not a secret. We all know she's a cunt. <laughs> well, two, it must be known only to a limited group of persons. So the cool obviously kids. everyone knows she's a cunt, so this doesn't matter either. <laughs> or three, be subject to reasonable steps taken by the rightful holder of the information to be kept to keep it secret including the use of confidentiality agreements to for uh, for business partners employees so it has to have been attempted to have been kept a secret so i can't just splash it around all the place and then yeah and then be like that's my trade secret right how dare you yeah okay. it has to be valuable it has to be limited to a group of people and it has to be like kept secret 
in some sort of confines. Like, my case doesn't really fit well with any of these, but it still is an IP case. Mine barely is an IP case, but it was the fan pick, so I just made it work. Okay, but was this a trade secret IP case? It, it, I think trade secret is the closest to I didn't my case, identify but we, it. but we will get to it. Okay. We'll Your case, Amanda, this. is very clearly a patent issue. Uh, parts of it, yes. Well. Okay, so I just have a couple more things to say. Okay. So the concept of intellectual property is tied in with human rights in general. Mm-hmm. Article 27 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights reads, quote, everyone has the right to the protection of the moral and material interests resulting from any scientific, literary, or artistic production of which he or she or they or both are in there is the author, end quote. There are moral arguments for the intellectual property rights that fall into three major categories. Number one, Personality theorists believe intellectual property is an extension of an individual. Uh, Two, utilitarians believe that intellectual property stimulates social progress and pushes people to further innovations. So would that mean that it's kind of the property of society? Because it's It's like a a building block for society? Yes, basically. It's that it's that intellectual property hmm. kind of belongs to the culture at large because it because it furthers progress. Right. And because nothing exists in a vacuum. So like you yeah. can't be so nitpicky and be like, well, I'm the only one who's ever had this idea. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it, as long as this furthers our culture's progress, who cares? Like, well, I guess you can get a patent for like a nonsense object, can't you? Probably. I mean, I think if when you apply for a patent, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that it goes before some sort of panel that determines whether or not you have a unique right to this idea. So like I couldn't like take a dump and be like, this is my unique I'm patenting dump. my unique dump. Exactly. Which, because it doesn't serve any kind of purpose. Yeah. I'm sure it has to check some boxes. It's not, like, replicable. I'm sure it has to check some boxes. You can't just take a shit and be like, hey, I, <laughs> I patented this. Okay. I've poopented this. That's I'm sure bad. someone has tried, though, for sure. If you can imagine it, it exists on the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. And thirdly, Lockleans, as in John Locke, Heather um, Locklear, argue that <laughs> intellectual property is justified based on deservedness and hard work. And this comes from John Locke's theory that a person has a natural right over the labor and products that are produced by their own body. Ooh. So my case will have some Lockean. Heather uh, Locklear. Heather, Heather Locklear, Locklear. aspects uh, to it. Okay. Mm. So there are very, there are a lot of trains of thoughts, and I, I feel like intellectual property law sort of 
blurs that line. Like Kenyon, when we were in debate in high school, we did a policy debate. And then our friend Ben did Lincoln Douglas debate, which was like very moral focused. And like philosophical. Philosophical. Yeah. Our version was like. Was Facts like, and figures, baby. Nuts Ours and bolts of like much political like there, policy. There's a precedence for this, therefore mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But this whole concept of intellectual property really very much blends the two of them. So That's true. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of moral arguments involved in intellectual property. So according to the FBI, intellectual property theft is a growing threat especially with the rise of digital technologies and internet file sharing networks. Mm-hmm. Napster. Mm-hmm. Napster will get to Napster. definitely stolen. And much of the theft takes place overseas where laws are often lax and enforcement is much more difficult. Mm-hmm. All told, intellectual property theft costs the US, uh, U.S. businesses billions of dollars a year and robs the nation of jobs and tax revenues. Mm-hmm. This is according to the FBI. Wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here are some examples of intellectual property theft. Reproducing, distributing, or otherwise displaying a work without a creator's permission, a.k.a. piracy. So, like, torrent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every way that mm-hmm. Amanda's ever watched a movie in her entire life. Yeah. Before we just had streaming services, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now I pay for way, way more than mm-hmm. I stole, and I'm getting completely raked over the coals. It's a lot easier to pay, like... 1999 from an Amazon streaming service for a movie that's like still in theaters where it like feels like oh wow I can watch this movie right away but Mm -hmm. like um, I would rather pay just 20 bucks and go through all the torrent fucking click on this but not on this and click on this and not on this like it's really hard to actually pirate Material. It can be. I if feel. you don't know what you're doing, you can I fuck your computer up doing. real bad. It's yeah. exhausting and we're too old for that shit. Yeah. But yeah. over it. Lucy and I, when when we lived in China, we bought a bunch of DVDs. Mm-hmm. I have so many DVDs. I gave them all away to a shitty landlord once before we knew he was shitty. We gave I them all of our all DVDs. I still have all of mine. Oh. They were, they were li- movies. Either currently in theaters at that time, we were in China from 2010, 2011-ish. These were movies that were either currently in theaters or were going to be in theaters six months from now mm-hmm. that we could buy from a stall on the street. For like 10 <laughs> for cents. 10 yeah. cents. It's you could buy one DVD wild. that had like 15 different films on it. And it was oh, like yeah. action DVD. I could bu- you could buy Get DVDs. That- I have a DVD that was like 15 Julia Roberts movies on yeah. one DVD. <gasps> oh, Magical. Yeah. That pretty, is pretty it was pretty great. great. And we had so many that we were scared that we would be arrested if we flew back with them in our suitcase. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't bring any. So I brought some of mine home, but we left most of them. We shipped them back to the U.S. <laughs> on a slow boat from China, and it oh. arrived like three months later, and we had our, I don't know, a thousand DVDs. I'm sorry. A slow boat from China has 
connotations, but it was literally, literally a, a slow boat from the country of China yeah. to the U.S. It's a literal <laughs> sentence. And yeah, and then we had all these DVDs for like two years, and then we were like, oh, we don't really we, need DVDs anymore. I don't. I haven't even owned a DVD player for like six years. I don't, and I don't even have the CD slot on any of my computers. But thinking anymore. back to 2010, this was yeah. fucking gold. This exactly. was gold. I yeah. was convinced that this was an investment. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, God. Great. I mean, now we never have to buy any of these classics. <laughs> it's like when my dad, uh, I don't remember when like the USSR like opened up. I don't remember yeah. the exact year or whatever, but. He was in college-ish, <laughs> along with my Uncle Todd, his younger brother, and they came up with a scheme to buy a whole bunch of Levi's, like, denim jeans and fly over to Moscow to sell them, and they were, like, literally two weeks too late. Like, they brought they brought all <laughs> these jeans over they to Moscow. They tried to do it? At your dad? They, they, they flew there with it. only jeans. They did it. And as soon as they got over there, like, nobody wanted to buy these jeans. And they're like, what, what the fuck? And they it's like, denim factory, like, within the town square. <laughs> I am even upset so these jeans. confused by this. Their plan was to, like, sell this suitcase of jeans no i followed the plan and then and then road trip through europe yeah that was the plan but they couldn't sell any of the jeans so they had to like sell them for like you know at cost oh god (laughs) whatever you live you learn i love that story similar story this was must have been a couple a little bit before my mom was in the ussr with her family because her family liked to travel all over and they had like a very they traveled a lot it was It's cool. But she was wearing jeans and she was walking down the street and this man. Your dad leapt out of a bush (laughs) with more jeans. That's how my parents met. I never heard that story. <laughs> no, this this couple came up to her and asked if she, if they could buy the jeans off of her body. And she's like, oh, yeah. They offered her, like, fucking 60 bucks or something crazy. Back then. And, yeah. Back of course then. she obliged and so gave she, them the jeans. So she walked around with, like, a shirt tied around her waist as a skirt for the rest of the day because she offered she jeans. She did it? For, oh, of yeah. Of course your mom did it. I Good girl. I love your mom. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. Okay, here we here we go. Get ready to go to the drive. Here's another example of intellectual property theft. Producing slide sandals that say Nikai on one shoe and McDonald's on the other. These sandals are exquisite. No notes. <laughs> the Nike sim- or like the Nike Air Jordan symbol is so off. It's I M-K-I-E. want the McDonald's. I want the, the McDonald's Mc- slide. And the McDonald's is M C D. N-O-A-L-D-S. McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> and then notice there's like the the, the NBA yeah. like logo on the bottom. Which it's not right. There's no way that's right. Not right. Well, they're different. Yep. They're, well, they're two different shoes, A, and B, yeah. nothing is right. None <laughs> of it's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I've, I got a, uh, what's that brand? Miu Miu, M-I-U, M-I-U. 
in uh, I got a knockoff bag in China, but it was like MIA, MIA. But it was like the same font. It was so cute. That's like one of my favorite purses. <laughs> I got a knockoff um, Dion's. <laughs> I got those in the U.S. Oh, at okay. a truck stop. They're my to Dion, Dior's. My Dion sunglasses, which were straight fire. I love. They them. were cute. Um, Rest in <laughs> peace, those Dion's. <laughs> and Rest then, in Pisces. <laughs> they're at the bottom of Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, um, I believe they are, yeah. <laughs> but um, I got a fake, not Lacoste bag. What's that bag where it's like all nylon and then like a tiny strip of leather? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, what's it called? Oh, it's so cute. Longchamp. 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 Okay. I've never heard of this. So in China, oh, they're so it. cute. You've they're definitely so seen cute. it. I got like a knockoff Longchamp bag in China. In Beijing. I remember in, I was not, not jealous. In Beijing at the market, whatever, which is like only fake stuff. I still remember how to say, Jada, which means this Ooh, is too fake. expensive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember how to say too expensive. Yeah. I'm an English teacher. I make Chinese money. This is too expensive. (laughs) The only thing I remember how to say in like Happy New Year. Um, (laughs) Happy (laughs) happy tomb sweeping day. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, happy tomb sleeping day. So um, anyway, so I bought this fake bag. It was actually a pretty good fake, especially because, like, most of the bag is nylon. So, like, how hard is that? But then a couple years later, I was on a bus and the zipper had broken. <laughs> Uh-oh. And um, I was, like, you know, f- trying to force it, whatever. And this mom and her, like, 12-year-old daughter saw me with my broken zipper. And the mom, like, hits her daughter and goes, see those bags are worthless. That's why I'm not going to get you one. And I was like, it's You're a fake. the example. <laughs> Did you say, don't worry, it's a fake. You should still buy your daughter this obscenely priced canvas bag. I didn't, I didn't bag. say anything more, but I was like, it's a fake. In fairness, it's a fake. <laughs> <laughs> but that is why companies care about fakes in their name because it sullies their brand i mean that was that interaction was exactly the problem Mm -hmm. yes which is fair and the fact that somebody with a longchamp bag is on this like piece of shit bus (laughs) in my opinion (laughs) i say buy the fakes because you're probably not gonna be into it in the year like until it breaks anyway really high trend it depends then, on the product, but yeah. sometimes it depends on it's the product. Fine. Depe- it depends on the trendiness. If it's like something like super in the moment, then like it's buy, hard to buy tell the though. If, it's, if you're if you're it's inclined, a good fake. Yeah, I mean, I who first of all, who fucking cares? Yeah. Well, also, just for the sake of this show, I am assuming that a lot of these fakes and also a lot of these authentic pieces are built on the backs of. Uh, enslaved yep. Some children. Very fucked up labor. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Very fucked up yeah. labor practices. So we also have to take that into account. But moving on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A couple more examples of intellectual property theft. Um, file sharing services like Napster. We've talked about Napster a little bit. Also LimeWire. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so another is reproducing engine parts, which 
is its own issue because it is a matter of safety and insurance and warranty. So, like, if you're not going to your regular, like, auto dealership to get something fixed and it's not guaranteed that that is the actual part that is certified for that engine, for that vehicle. So, it can be a safety issue. So, that is not to say... That you can't go to your mom and pop store down the street and try to get something comparable, but it's also just like be aware of what it is that you're putting in your engine, what your warranty covers, etc. Which mm. sucks because it's like hard to be a really informed consumer if that's not your jam. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't it know really shit matters. about car engines, but like, yeah, it super yeah. does matter. Um, also, crossbreeding plants for commercial use that you do not have rights to. And for example, I think it's in Food, Inc., that movie where they mm. were, had that example of uh, Monsanto or of the like, the same mm. ilk, companies throwing seeds into fields that had been that had that are patented and then they could go then go back and accuse these farmers of stealing the ip of a company like monsanto like in a sabotage situation where they're like drive by tossing seeds planting evidence like planting drugs or something literally planting this was a this was a thing that i saw i i'm pretty sure it was in food inc that documentary they were talking about this. For example, if you had a seed, like a like a like a certain breed of corn or whatever, and you had worked to uh, create the seed, and you it, it was producing the exact right type of plant that you wanted, and if somebody else took one of those seeds and crossbred that seed with one of their own, mm. then that would be a violation of your intellectual property because you had. You know, raise seed A. That, yeah, seed A or whatever. So, mm. so you can't, you can't use seed A to crossbreed seed C without seed A's permission. Not for commercial use. For so uh, my like creepy garden in my house is fine. For like academic well, it, research, it, you it, could. It, uh, I don't know about academic research, but if you were trying to like raise corn in your own garden, yeah, or whatever, if you're like exploring in your home garden, but you're not selling it. But the second you try to sell that corn or sell those right. seeds or whatever, then or the claim that's a that this was like your idea or that like mm, yeah, yeah. It, this is an exclusive blend of your making, then like but, fuck you, that's already but, been a claim. Plant, but plant proprietorship in that way is its own like branch of and once IP. marijuana is finally like federally oh, legalized honey, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. that shit yeah, yeah. is going to be explosive epic. they're gonna yeah. need their own like legal system their own courts oh yeah yep 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 whoa so depending on the severity of the theft there are several possible legal consequences for ip theft including criminal fines imprisonment for several years depending on the nature of the charges um, seizure, seizure of the seizure, <laughs> seizure of the stolen property, documents, or materials. The corn, the, the corn, the fancy corn. Give us your seed. The Hand seizure over your of the seed. children of the corn. <laughs> Ew. Ish. Loss or suspension of a business operating license or um, civil charges fil- filed by the victim of the crime for for instance uh, for lost business profits. So that's what that's what can be sought. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, there are all, also several avenues for legal defenses against uh, intellectual property theft charges, including lack of intent. So that is if the defendant did not knowingly attempt to steal the intellectual property and use it for their personal gain. That's like that one. two people having the same idea yeah. and not realizing it. Thing. Right. Right. Kind of. I think that um, would fall under that for sure. Yes, but also if that is the case, if the if both parties came together and decided that they wanted to both use their IP property at the same time, mm-hmm. they can come come up with a mutually like exclusive agreement. Agreement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but also number 2 for legal defenses. Uh, there can be a lack of ownership rights by the plaintiff. So this is if the material was not actually protected by intellectual property laws. And third, this is my favorite, um, this this, co- this clause of unclean hands. And this is when the plaintiff has engaged in a wrong in wrongdoing by bringing a lawsuit in this matter in this manner against the defendant at the time such as knowing about the infringement for a long time, but choosing not to sue the defendant until years after learning about the defendant's first act of infringement. So if they waited too long to be like, hey, you fucked up, you stole my idea, then that can be an unclean hands like So like clause. waiting, like if you, if, if you have patent A and somebody comes up with, you know, product B that, is too similar to patent A. And then pro- for a long time, nobody gives a shit about product B. Or it's they don't not notice popular. each like, other, let's, maybe. Let's just say, like, you worked for uh, Mr. Frosty, and Mr. Frosty had a mint ice cream patent, and you were happily working for Mr. Frosty. And then later, you went to form your own business, and you also formed this, like, chocolate mint ice cream thing. And then Mr. Frosty waited, like, six years before he was like, wait a second. It's like a statute of limitations my, almost. That's my mint mint chocolate chip whatever. The well, fuck. it's also like you know, it's Yeah, it's like a statute of limitations yeah. kind of. Kind if of. If you yeah. wait too long, if you wait and see if it if like that product is going to yeah. succeed before yeah. you care about it, it doesn't You count. can you could fuck yourself over. Right. It also isn't a literal statute of limitations. It's no. just it's just this unclean hands clause. All the lawyers are just crying Dying. right now. Yeah. Whatever. Sorry, Julian. What else is new? This That's unclean hands thing is kind of what went down in my case. Yeah. Mine is similar to that, well, but it's also similar to lack of ownership. I yes. think the whole the whole gist of what I'm trying to tell you is that this IP law is so fucking super subjective mm-hmm. that there's so much legality jargon mm-hmm. whatever behind it like it's it it's just so fucking subjective so these cases can go so either way like one right. way or the other yeah. and back and forth as we will get to oh my oh. god i can't wait so anyway on that note let's hear a word from our sponsors yes let's Framebridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. That's my favorite part about it. (laughs) From art prints and posters to the photos sitting on your phone, you can Framebridge just about anything. Framebridge is also the perfect way to give easy and thoughtful gifts this season. In just minutes, you can turn a photo from your phone into one of your best gifts 
forever. Yeah. And here's a reminder mm-hmm. of how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. I like would trust this packaging with my firstborn child. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll just send them my original birth certificate and have them frame exactly. it. Exactly. It's, it's very secure. It's so fast. And mm-hmm. they are so good about that communication. They let you know when they've received it. They let you know when it's been framed. Or if you choose mm-hmm. like the, the stylish choice, which I did That's recently, awesome. they'll um, send you some options for different frames if you don't know exactly what you want. Um, so you can preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or, like I said, get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece straight to you or anyone on your list. They look so good. They're gorgeous. I mean, everyone knows I love a gallery wall and like 90% of it is frame bridge. Yeah. And they do make those gallery wall like layouts really, really yeah. easy. It's awesome. So a handcrafted personalized gift from Framebridge starts at just 39 bucks, and all shipping is free. That's like all shipping. It's huge. Plus, yeah. our listeners will get 15% off their first order at Framebridge.com when they use our code GALS. And my, you know what? Mm-hmm. It just turns a normal photograph that might be in like a cheap t- like Target frame or something right now. Yep. It turns it into mm-hmm. like a piece that you're proud of. For real. Yeah. I mean, I got a bunch of like fun Instagram photos that I didn't want to just sit on my feed mm-hmm. and got them framed. It was mm-hmm. awesome. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code GALS to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code GALS. One more time, framebridge.com, promo code GALS. Treat your walls. Treat them. I've been looking for ways to make home more comfortable because we live here always <laughs> and never leave. <laughs> and since, you know, moving in with my partner, we have a cat and pepperoni is an absolute goddess. But like litter box smell is not anyone's favorite thing. <laughs> Covering that up is a must. So I, you know, we're all spending more time at home. And you can do the best you can to have the litter box in like a discreet location where maybe your dog's not getting into it for treats, but smell does not like hide behind a wall. Neither does the litter dust, Mm -mm. things like that. It gets everywhere. It gets everywhere and it like floats. I mean, it can get into like the air ducts of your house. Like it's going to get around. Especially if you have like a small apartment, there's Mm -hmm. no escaping it. Correct. And then I found Pretty Litter, and it does so much more than, like, trap odor. Yeah. It's it's miracle litter. You know, I really didn't realize how many aspects of a litter box were just mm-hmm. making my life miserable until right. I made the switch. Then I was like, oh, my gosh. Not only do I not smell it, but there's not yep. ever-present dust. There's not tracking mm-hmm. all over the floor. Mm-hmm. And it also just has this scientific element that lets you know if your pet is sick. I love so it. So Pretty Litter is unlike any cat litter I've seen. It is ultra absorbent. Um, that has like crystals that trap odor instantly and they last up to a month. Yeah, you can you can change out the whole litter box less frequently. Like is you could do your normal amount of scooping, but you don't have to like 
dump, dump the, the whole, whole thing, thing every other week. And then yeah. that clumping stuff, a lot of the time, like the traditional clay litter, it gets stuck to the bottom of the box and you have to yep. haul it out. You got to hose it off. It's really the worst. gross. So Pretty Litter mm-hmm. is none of those things. It has changed my litter box life. Plus, Pretty Litter is safer for your cat and for the whole household. Many conventional litters contain irritants that can aggravate allergies and asthma, but Pretty Litter's super light crystal base minimizes mess and dust, keeps your cats healthier because mm-hmm. they're a lot shorter than you. Their faces they are, are in it. Yeah. How would you like it? I wouldn't. Me neither. And Pretty Litter arrives safely at my door in a small, lightweight bag. Shipping is free, and I never have to worry about storing bulky containers. It's so nice. I couldn't believe it. It's so nice to just have a... I order... Uh, it, it renews. It automatically comes every three months. And I have two mm-hmm. litter boxes because I have two cats. So I get, you know, a box of litter. And then I do not... That is something that I do not have to struggle at the grocery store with. Mm-hmm. I hate lugging around cat litter at, at, like from the store to my car, from my car into the basement. The worst. I don't have to do any of that. But here's why Pretty Litter is my all-time favorite. As I briefly mentioned earlier, it changes colors to help detect early signs of potential illness, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats don't just mm-hmm. tell you when they're not feeling well. They really don't. No. So you gotta, this makes it super easy to just check up on their health. If the, the litter turns different colors depending on like different balances in the cat's diet or like in Mm -hmm. the cat's body so you can tell exactly what it is that's going on based on what color the litter turns it's magic yeah imagine being armed with that kind of solid information when you go into a vet appointment yeah like it's just so helpful Mm -hmm. So do what we did and make the switch to Pretty Litter today. Get 20% off your first order by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code GALS. That's prettylitter.com, promo code GALS for 20% off. One more time, prettylitter.com, promo code GALS. Treat your puss. <laughs> Treat it. Are we ready for my case? Yes. As, so, Amanda, as Amanda so, is texting us pictures of Blanche. It's true. Okay. I am doing so, that. Determining what can be considered intellectual property and what can't is especially complex when it comes to when it comes to the design of dolls. I've had half a bottle of our Chardonnay. Dolls? Dolls. Yeah. Okay. It's like a be- face and a body. Because they're by definition just copies of human bodies. Yeah. And so that brings up questions of whether replicas of human features can ever truly be considered a type of design. Yeah, it's not that- your invention. Mm. It's I the th- great invention. I think that this falls under industrial design, like the chair mm. example. Sure. Well, like a Barbie. No one is shaped like a Barbie. Mm-mm. Well, we will get to it. So- oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> For a br- for some brief rundown of hashtag doll facts. Oh, God. Before the middle of the 20th century, the vast majority of dolls that were sold in America or in the United States were baby dolls or dolls oh, that were designed. I just got my nieces for Christmas. I ordered them baby alive grow up dolls. Glow up. Why? They, they wanted them so bad and they're very, they're, 
dolls are too expensive. Okay, first of all, it's a fucking racket. Mm, Second yeah. of all, this doll like stretches out and gets bigger. It grows. It grows Baby alive. Grows. No. Gross. It's, it's it's baby alive gross. It's really fucking creepy. <laughs> no. I'm not here for it, but they no. wanted them. No, no, just get them a set of Riedel wine glasses and call it a day. <laughs> just give them a, an old tape ball that you kept forgetting to throw out and they'll be, hope they're grateful. Get them a box. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Get them a box like a cat. <laughs> oh, also, I was at um, Home Goods earlier today. Do not recommend... Everything is so cheap and so shiny, you'll buy way more than you need. Don't recommend. But they had these stuffed dogs, like like life-size chihuahua sort of dogs, like, you know, kind of this big. And apparently they had a removable, like, rice bag pack in their bellies that you can microwave and then (gasps) put them back in their bellies, kind of like a puppy surprise, but then it just, like, warms the whole dog. It's like a lovey. So it's like like a warm, warm it's a warm, stuffed dog. Oh, I like that. That would be so good for people in nursing homes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's marketed towards children, so... Oh, I was yeah. 100% thinking, wow, my menstrual cramps would really benefit from that stuffed dog. <laughs> I, I was con- I was thinking of hospice care, personally. Yeah. But yes. yeah. Okay. Well, either or. So, All of the above. Hashtag doll facts. Dolls used to be baby dolls or like toddler dolls, whatever. And then. Or puppy dolls. And then, quote, little girls mm-hmm. or, or whatever gender, children mm-hmm. would then pretend to mother or parent or nurture these dolls. Mm-hmm. Then fashion dolls were modeled on adult women, mm-hmm. but they historically had a more practical purpose. They were like mini mannequins or like mini replicas of the latest fashions, typically coming out of Paris. That's mm-hmm. like a Barbie. Well, close. And they were marketed, you know, as like fashion yeah. Items. Fashion replicas. Yeah, and they weren't considered children's toys for a long time. Then everything changed in the 1950s with the arrival of Barbie. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And we've actually talked about Barbie in our toy oh, crimes yes. episode, but we I'm going to talk about other aspects of Barbie because mm-hmm. Barbie okay. contains multitudes. Many layers, yep. Barbie is multidimensional. <laughs> So it's widely known that Barbie's arrival on the scene led to a shift away from baby dolls and towards young girls or children of any ilk playing with idealized (laughs) ilk. This is the ilk episode where we just insert (laughs) the word ilk ilk facts for no reason. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) So children playing with idealized and sexualized adult female bodies. Mm-hmm. So from you don't toy- say <laughs> those pointed tits. I have an idea: a ball, a, a doll with tits, and no nips. tits on this ball. I have doll. an idea: a heel, a good four inches above its toes, a permanently pointed toe foot. Bat pain, natural. No I labial can't. folds. <sighs> Anatomically sealed. <laughs> I'm hermetically oh. sealed to the bike. <laughs> okay, so. 
I'm already hungover because I'm so in my 30s. Okay. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. So, um, as we know from our Toy Crimes episode, we know that the design for Barbie was not an original work. Uh, the signature look of blonde hair and impossibly exaggerated proportions was blatantly copied from a popular German Arguably sex doll. Not named. even arguably. <laughs> Definitely just sex, a sex doll. doll. <laughs> and not the kind of doll you have sex with, the kind of doll you look at to like get a boner and right. then have I think sex it with was yourself. The kind of doll that you fuck in the mouth. It didn't have any, it was a it's small Barbie. Doll. It's literally a Barbie. Yeah, it's not. So do uh, with that what you will. I mean, I guess. It doesn't even have an open a, mouth or It has a very fuck. tiny mouth. Was not open. <laughs> sex doll. Yes. Yes. Well, an arguable. Okay, so, it's an arousal tool. Yes. As it's pornography. As we know, Lily originated from a comic strip about a ditzy secretary who would do things like show up for work in a bathing suit <laughs> and exclaim, so dumb, when I wake up in the morning, I think I'm still on vacation. I mean, you do you, Lily, but also professionalism. Molly's a hell of a drug, isn't it, Lily? <laughs> Get it, girl. So anyway... You wear that kind of suit to get work. it, Lily, but also like kind of tuck it up, you know. I mean, I wake up every day and scream, "What year is it?" So I feel Lily right if now. If you're waking up <laughs> and screaming first thing in the morning, there's and a then stumbling downstairs issue. in a bathing there's a suit. Separate issue. <laughs> I'm want, fine. I'm I thriving. What merch that says? Kind of get it, Lily, but also kind of tuck it up. <laughs> so anyway. But also, again. Poor gal. She's been through again, a lot. If you're screaming first thing in the morning, I Don't stop when I wake I up in the morning and I'm still on vacation. I encourage Amanda and the rest of you to seek help. I mean, what if we have sought help and that's one of our coping mechanisms? Okay, so anyway, the Lily doll was originally manufactured as a sort of gag gift or other for adults who were fans of the comic strip, but it eventually became popular with German children, which was mm -hmm. not the intent. <laughs> so... Mattel founder Ruth Handler was on vacation. When I wake up, I think I'm still on vacation. And she Classic woke up Ruth. screaming every day. Screaming in a bathing suit with her family in Germany. And when she encountered Lily, <laughs> whom her husband described as, quote, anatomically perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sir, your doll. Sir, no. She had the doll shipped back to California for her to be own burned. for her own designers <laughs> to copy. To be melted into scrap. <laughs> to be forgotten to the ages. Melted into divorce papers <laughs> for her husband. Oh, no. So uh, again, covered this in Toy yeah, Crimes, totally just a did. quick recap. <laughs> in 1961, the German makers of Lily sued Mattel, 
claiming that Barbie was an exact replica of the German sex doll. <laughs> Ruth Handler disputed this, <laughs> claiming that Lily had, quote, an elongated and distorted kind of I'll look. Say. She's I'll a say. mess, okay? Barbie is stunning. Lily yeah. is a mess. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, Barbie looked like a regular American teenager, <laughs> albeit with a anatomically impossibly narrow waist, ankles, and boobs. <laughs> See photos. <laughs> there are photos on the drive of both Lily and original Barbie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a classic American teenager with a... Two-inch waist. Original Barbie looks like an angry Lucille Ball. Yes. A blonder, angrier Lucille Ball. I do not imagine what I think of the classic American teenager. Mm. Yes, an angry Lucille Ball. I'm here for Lily's outfit, though. I have that outfit. Mm -hmm. But I also, like, Kenyon makes this face regularly. Like, what face? (laughs) Lily's face. I love Lily's outfit. Mm-hmm. This face. I, oh, my God. Yeah. Blanche, my God. <laughs> yeah, I fucking adore Lil- Lily's aesthetic is my yeah. aesthetic, so my aesthetic is German sex doll. Mm-hmm. Piss, pissed no. German sex doll. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's implied. So, <laughs> German. So, um, in reality, the dolls were identical, and Mattel, <laughs> Mattel settled the case out of court and then purchased the copyright for Lily. <laughs> Following this in- initial, initial legal challenge, Barbie remained the unrivaled best-selling doll in America throughout the second half of the 20th century, Lord. enjoying mm-hmm. roughly 50 years of popularity without competition it's bonks according i mean i had a shit ton of barbies Mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s a lot i wasn't allowed to have barbies anymore because i kept i had two barbies i was basically sid from toy story for like a hot minute well, we spanned the gamut then. <laughs> I had a lot of Barbies. I treated them My well. My cousins had, I had a lot like of Barbies, little so. mid-century mm. modern like like off-brand sets for them to hang out in. I had all these special clothes. Wait, are, are, I loved are it. we are we including like knockoff Barbies? Like Darbies? Sure. Why not? Darbies. Fuck. (laughs) Florbies. I had lots. Florbies, roast beef. Lots of Quarbies. I had the Florbies beef and cheddar doll. (laughs) But there were a lot of knockoff Barbies. What if if I shaved a Furby and masturbated to it? (laughs) (laughs) Meet my Florby. Literally, yes. Okay. Well, anyway. Then maybe you would take the top <laughs> tier of concern over me who screams every morning. Yes. Shaved Furby was her sexual oh. awakening. No. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, we couldn't afford my a Furby. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Then, after decades with essentially no competition except from shaved Furbies. <laughs> Florbies. <laughs> Bratz dolls yes. came onto the scene. I remember Ew. when Bratz dolls came onto the scene. The commercials were 
intense. Yes. They yes. were all in crop tops and like jangos. I remember the commercials, yeah. but like. I think th- this was Here like when my it. sister might have desired those for her birthday, but like. Yeah, we had aged we, out a little we bit. We were at too that point. old. <laughs> Above and beyond. Mm-hmm. We were like fifth or sixth grade, I'd say, when these no, dolls. No, honey, like, like seventh, eighth. We seventh were older. Eighth. Yeah, we were. We were older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. But there are Give like that ballpark a billion photos of Bratz dolls on the drive because I just kept like seeing other ones and being like, oh my, oh, they're oh my awful. god, <laughs> they're so bad. I like them. I just think yes. I remember having a conversation with Kenyon's mother about Bratz dolls when Bratz dolls were on the market, and she like pulled me aside and she was like, just. Give it to me straight. She's not she's not involved in these dolls, is she? <laughs> <laughs> like they're cocaine they or have, something. They like, have lip gloss. They have like frosted lips and eyeshadow. They wear heels. High heels. She can't be involved like in them. these. <laughs> I was not involved. Yes. But I mean, here's the thing. Well, you know what? We'll get to it. Okay. So, Bratz dolls were designed by a man named Carter Bryant, and from what I can glean from his publicly available Insta posts, he's a big fan of Springer Spaniels and celery with peanut butter. Yum. So, to be fair. Carter had always dreamed of working as a high fashion designer, and he had talent, but he was unable to break into the fashion industry, so he settled, quote-unquote, for a job with Mattel, designing outfits for Barbie, which that I- That sounds awesome. I honestly think that's a better job yeah. in fashion. Yeah. That e- First of all, that is a job in fashion. That's super cool. You're not a high fashion designer, maybe, but- Yeah, but whatever- Carter found the work unfulfilling, not about it. In 1998, after a few years of working for Mattel, he decided to take a leave of absence to figure out a new career direction. So he's not happy at work, takes a leave of absence. He'd been feeling this overwhelming frustration that his creative ideas were not being heard, and he felt that Mattel was, quote, political, risk-averse, and stuck in the past because, hello, it's a major Fortune 500 company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Carter's leave of absence lasted seven months. And during this time, he moved home to the Midwest to live with family and, and probably save money. In that incongruous place of the Midwest, Carter came up with the idea of a line of dolls that were, quote, sassier, and quote, which is a loaded word, and, quote, more fun than Barbie, and, quote, reflected the rich ethnic mix of modern America. I knew knew there was a white guy behind all of it. You just know. This is gonna be good. Let's make a doll riddled with stereotypes, slap tits on it, make its feet real big, and here we go! Gold, Jerry. It's gold. So so there are tons of photos on the drive of the Bratz dolls, and I have lots of critiques of the Bratz dolls, but at the same time, like... They're great! In their own way. There are there are pros and cons, yep. but also lots of cons in the creator mm-hmm. and then I the misalignment with it. the content. I see it. Mm-hmm. Do you see what yeah, I'm saying? I see mm-hmm. it. Yep. 
Okay. So, mull on that. So, needing the startup capital to launch his own business, Carter decided to return to Mattel. So, he was like, okay, I've got this, like, great idea, but I need some money. I'm going to go back to my job at Mattel. But after returning to his old job, he kept the idea for his own line of dolls in the back of his mind and a secret. In 2000, Carter Bryant made a mock-up of his first Bratz doll by putting together various discarded doll parts and clothing. And these were literally scraps that he had access to at work. He cobbled Bratz dolls together from yes, reject doll yes. scraps. Yeah, he, he was Sid from Toy Story. But and creating. Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of racist. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sup- super, super Not kind of. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of super it racist. But also, really good blend. Here's the thing. It's like, it's both racist and also up against a different kind of racism mm-hmm. in Barbie, which right. is super white and monolithic. I yeah, mean, it's like attempts were made, but this is what white people always fucking do. Instead of putting the right people in charge of such an initiative, we think we can do it and do it better, and then we fail terribly and end up with a racist doll well, line. Well, to Kenyon's point... Made out of Barbie It was scraps. this weird white <laughs> monolithic Barbie thing. It's the same thing. Right. And we... And we will get to the racism of Barbie in Mm -hmm. 0.2 seconds. So Mm -hmm. in 2001, Bryant sold his idea for four Bratz girls, the original four dolls, named Jade, Chloe, Yasmin, and Sasha. Mm -hmm. And this was sold to Mattel's direct competitor, MGA Entertainment. Carter explicitly pitched the dolls as appealing to a more modern and quote urban oh Jesus Lord demographic Almighty. than Barbie. It's two thousand one, mm-hmm. whose efforts to appeal to a more diverse market often came off as out of touch and heavy handed at best. So he's he's critiquing Mattel's mm-hmm. efforts to diversify, which is a very valid critique because, mm-hmm. for example. In 1997, Mattel released a short-lived collaboration line of both black and white Barbies. Mm-hmm. And the line was unfortunately named Oreo Barbies. No. It was a col- it was like a collab with Oreo cookies. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Uh-huh. What? There are photos There are photos on the drive. <gasps> So there is a white Oreo Barbie and there is a black Oreo Barbie. Mm -mm. I'm uncomfortable. After receiving pushback, Mattel claimed to be unaware of the racial connotations of the term Oreo. You have got to be fucking kidding me. That term has been around for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. And the just audacity of this super whitewashed company putting out a black doll that they're calling Oreo Barbie. It just points to the fact that they did not have a diverse enough workforce or the the people who worked yeah, there weren't empowered cl- yeah. enough to 
All the people who probably signed off on this were white people who were like, yep, let's let's make a right. black doll. That'll make everybody happy. Yeah. Or huh? just white people who were completely tone deaf to the fact that Oreo meant oh, yeah. something. Yeah. Is a derogatory. Yeah. 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 It has a lot of connotations. Ooh, so. Yikes. Then the black Oreo Barbies were pulled from the shelves following the public outcry. Wait, what? But I... Pr- they, well, they yeah, pulled because, because yeah. it was like so offensive. problematic and offensive. Well, wait, they so, pulled the so the 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 term wasn't pulled, but the black Barbies were pulled. The black Oreo Barbies okay, so, branded so Oreo. The term was pulled. No, the whole the that whole Barbie doll with the term. Go on the drive, you'll okay. see. Because other yeah, it's like a branded Barbie doll in an Oreo sweater. It has with like an Oreo, an Oreo purse. purse. It's like an Oreo collaboration. Okay, but yeah. hopefully the whole Oreo campaign was also pulled. Doubt Pre- it. Pretty sure the white Oreo yeah. Barbies remained on that shelf. That was my fucking mm. question, and that's awful. I hate yeah. everything yep. about this. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, MGA, the competitor to Mattel that bought Bratz, Immediately saw the potential for an updated competitor to Barbie. They were they were into the Bratz dolls. So MGA both purchased Brian's design and offered him a job. Mm-hmm. So he accepts. He quits his job at Mattel two weeks later. The first year that they were in stores, Bratz dolls did $97 million in sales. Wow. That's deeply disturbing. That's a lot of money. Lot Two of years money. later, the number was up to a whopping b- 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 billion dollars in Good sales. Lord. I'm curious, do you know offhand or from your research the demographic of who's buying these dolls? It's like sales no. from really- FAO Schwartz and whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's like Target and Well, sure. I'd just be really curious to know if people actually felt represented at all by these dolls like what the i don't know i think it was a mix but i don't have the answer although brad's dolls were a hit with kids many adults found them bizarre looking and disturbingly sexualized many of kenyan's mom yeah there were a lot of of kenyan's mom their child was involved in brad's Um, th- a more, ring. more photos on the drive. When I showed Zach, Zach had never heard of Brad Stalls. When I showed him some examples, did he live in a cave. Where he was, was he in 1995? Fucking Yan- so, oh, Yankee yeah. Stadium. He was like Ish. only into sports. Oh I don't even God. know. Ick. So, um, when I showed him some examples, like some examples are like okay, totally fine, whatever. But some there are some examples like. There's one that literally is the outfit from Pretty Woman. There is mm-hmm. also like kind of a gamut. Like they started as like American girl ish ish, and then they got like just really sexualized. sexualized. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Their eyes got know. real big. I'm- Their lips got real big. Yeah, not cute. So. Jill Lepore wrote in The New Yorker, quote, their eyes and heads are so big and their noses so small that if it weren't for their penthouse makeup and their come-hither clothes, oh, Lord. 
They'd look like emaciated babies, Cupid dolls or Cupid dolls. Cupid, no, it's Cupid. Cupid dolls in time of uh, famine. Oh, sad. But now that they say it that way, that's kind of what it looks so like. Like brings true. up some points, but also is kind of problematic in and of itself because, like, come hither clothes and like, yeah, famine. I'm I'm saying I <laughs> see the wow. Oh, bless you. I see the Cupid doll. <laughs> Like that Cupid doll look, like that yeah. baby look. Yeah, like they a like, sexualized Cupid doll. I see but that. I, I, it is. It's like a sex. It's like a. It's like a sexualized baby's head with a mm-hmm. lot of makeup on, like a hot on Barbie like, body. on like a Barbie's body. Yeah, with bigger like, feet. I'm not. I'm no anthropologist. However, because of like Cupid dolls and like because of like big eyed like um. Oh, what are those like precious moments dolls? You know, I feel mm. like there is a, there has been an increase in like sexualization or at least like, uh, mm-hmm. like so something with like these dolls get like throughout the ages, like, like throughout mm-hmm. history. I just feel like it's just, mm-hmm. everything's like more mm-hmm. exacerbated and like the eyes are bigger and the lips are bigger and like well, the cheeks well, are too. and like, ugh. yeah. I mean, my niece is like obsessed with these LOL dolls, they're which gross. are like, they are, I mean, I get a kick out of them because they're just bizarre to me, but like, some of them have nipples. I know. It's gross. <laughs> well, we, will, I, at, like, we will get to the lack of nipples. history, I just like things are being like more, not like explicitly <sighs> sexualized, but like infantilized. And as our society mm, becomes the combination. more- Sexualize as like it, yeah. <laughs> or something real under. About yeah, it. it's like it's fucking gross. I fucking the hate creepy it. blend of like the infantilization and the sexualization is really it's super real. It's super there. I hate it. There's something to be said about it. I don't want to get into it anyway. Let's move on. There are a lot of so there are a lot of people on the internets who. Mm-hmm do like makeup tutorials and like makeup looks whatever mm-hmm. after brats dolls and like cool whatever you're adults mm-hmm. you can replicate a a makeup look and try to be a uh, sexual and mm-hmm. you know sexually alluring great the problem is when like that is like a child's toy you mm-hmm. know what i mean so there's that aspect that's actually super popular is like replicating Bratz doll looks in makeup on the internet. And then there are artists and stuff who like will chemically remove the makeup mm-hmm. from the Bratz doll. Yeah, you can doll. use like acetone to clean off the doll and then they like redo. Yeah, and they can redo the makeup or they can add no makeup and mm-hmm. make the dolls childlike. Mm-hmm which is actually pretty cool. And there are photos on the drive of like normal looking, like Bratz dolls that have been like de makeup mm-hmm. and look like cute children. Mm-hmm. And then there are also some Bratz dolls that are de makeup who look like Frida Kahlo or mm-hmm. like, you know, like famous women, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. I anyway. don't love this. It's It freaks me out, I think. I think it's creative and fun to like make repurpose this product into like famous figures throughout history. Yes, it's, it's cool. creative. I think that there is an inherent underlying sexual 
thing in a lot of these, like specifically the the brass dolls, like their big eyes and yeah. like their tiny waist, and they're like they're tr- they're trying to like look like children. I don't like it. I don't like it. That's yeah. that's yeah. all I'm gonna say. I don't like it. All right. Well, here we get to the intellectual property issue. So, as part of the agreement with Bryant, MGA, Mattel's competitor, did not reveal where they had gotten the idea for Bratz. The CEO mm. of MGA even lied publicly and claimed that he personally had come up with the designs with the help of his daughter. Uh-oh, so are they we were, getting into trade secret territory, maybe? They were keeping Brian's name and identity a secret. But eventually, Mattel received an anonymous letter from mm. a narc that mm. revealed that Barbie's first <laughs> meaning... From Barbie herself. From a Barbie narc. Written by narc Barbie. <laughs> Comes with writing narc desk with Barbie? single... Single light. Single, single light bulb. Yeah. Bear light bulb Barbie. She pushes her glasses up her nose herself. (laughs) Writing her manifesto in the basement of Mattel. She looks like Lucy. Okay, so. So, this anonymous letter revealed that Barbie's first meaningful competition in decades had been the brainchild of one of Mattel's own employees. The reason that Bryant had worked or wanted to keep his deal with MGA secret is that he had signed an intellectual property agreement when he Mm. began working for Mattel. And that stated that anything he created during his employment Mm -hmm. was supposed to belong to the company. Mm -hmm. And he claimed that he created it when he was on leave. But that... He's using Mattel scraps to make the first idiot, like uh, iteration of the doll. And he so, sold it to MJ when he was still actively working at Mattel. Yep. So he he's fucked. You're yeah. fucked. You're sir. Fu- sir, you're brats. Sir, you're fucked. You're brats. <laughs> sir, you're hypersexualized racist dolls. <laughs> so in 2004, Mattel sued MGA and Carter Bryant for intellectual property theft. Bryant settled with Mattel out of court, and the case between Mattel and MGA proceeded to trial. Wait, I don't know what that sentence means, but I wrote it. It's fine. <laughs> it went to trial. After trial. So they probably didn't settle. Trial. <laughs> Maybe they refused to settle and then went yeah. to trial. That's, that's what's. After years of delays, the case was heard in the California District Court in 2008, and Mattel won. They had a solid case that Carter Bryant had been bound by the intellectual property agreement when he came up with the idea for Bratz. They had video of him cobbling on mismatched heads (laughs) to bodies. And lips. And like... Under the naked light bulb in the basement. The scrap area. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Drawing with Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, that's Barbie's skirt. Sir, that's discarded Oreo Barbie that you're <laughs> fucking with. Sir, that is not your contouring. <laughs> uh, and they also alleged that he had stolen trade secrets and brought them to MGA. Mm-hmm. The verdict in favor of Mattel ordered that MGA should pay them $100 million, which is basically just what they made off of Bratz in the first year. Yeah. 
Hand it over. Um, it's only like a tenth of what Mattel had originally sought, but it was still a victory. I mean, it's still a hundred million dollars. That's a lot of money. But yeah. it's also just a fraction of what the Bratz doll Fucking Bratz. thing had had so made gross. MGA. MGA appeals. Mm-hmm. The appeals case was presided over by Alex Kaczynski. Then the chief judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. And I'm sure he was like, are you fucking kidding me? No, he sucks. And we oh, I know. <laughs> I know he sucks. <laughs> so Kaczynski. He's a monster. And oh. I can see him being really irritated with a Bratz doll. Wait, I didn't he kids. shrink He's his a- kids? <laughs> Honey, he shrank. Was he Kaczynski? He's- Terrible. No, he was Blow a Kaczynski. The Oklahoma City. No, building. he was the Kaczynski. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Isn't so, that Rick yes, Moranis? He was a Kaczynski. Oh my god. That was the character name in those yes. movies. Kaczynski. Okay, so Judge Kaczynski reversed the original decision and ruled in favor of MGA. Writing an opinion that became well known as a significant decision challenging the amount of ownership that companies can claim over the ideas of their employees. Zelensky. Because, like, Zelensky. So close. I was so close. It was basically the same thing. Basically the same thing. Yeah. So basically, like, if Carter Bryant had written War and Peace while working for for Mattel. Would that count? Like, would Mattel own that novel? No. I would I would say no. Like, what you do on mm-hmm. your own time, whether or not you work for a company, okay. But the fact that he was quite literally using Mattel's resources and scraps to build the prototypes for and these dolls. And it's in the same lane as the right. business of the company. Exactly. That's not the yeah. same thing. So right. I think this was a fucked up reversal. Right. Kaczynski's ruling was also notable for the fact that his opinion seemed to hinge on his personal musings on female beauty. Uh, Of course it did. (laughs) I can't wait to hear how Kaczynski weighed in on sexually explicit child's toys. Let's get to it. He essentially uh, argued that because there is... This is his idea. Because there is one agreed upon standard for female beauty. (laughs) That's what I say about that. (laughs) She's done. Lucy is just. Losing it. I can't. I don't know what you're. I don't even know what you're about to say. I fucking can't. So, because according to Kaczynski, there's only one standard of female beauty. There can only be one. <laughs> these aesthetics could not be considered intellectual property. So, basically, he was like, look, these dolls are hot. And <laughs> this is the only way to be hot. So, uh, everybody knows that dolls need to be hot. I gotta go. I gotta go. <gasps> if I gotta God go. made Barbie in go. his image, it's go. God's intellectual property. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> so, he also noted in his opinion, so in his written public opinion, quote, God. there's not a big market for fashion dolls that look like Patty and Selma Bouvier, <laughs> who are the aunts from the, the Simpsons. Simpsons. 
Which is like a biz- I would buy the shit out of the <laughs> out of Patty like and Selma dolls. Bizarre and like not timely reference. Well, The Simpsons also is always timely because it will never go away. Identity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was his that was his example of of Ugo. Like he was like, uh, nobody wants to look like Patty and Selma Bouvier. Here's, here's he's the judge. I know. He's not the lawyer. He's the judge. He thought. He thought. He assumed that the majority of the audience would be on his side because of that reference. Or just because of like whatever yeah. reference. I don't, he was riffing. He was it off was, book. It was yeah. not good. Don't go off Ooh. book, Kaczynski. Ooh. Yeah. Ugh. Some legal scholars thought that Kaczynski's ruling was significant enough that it might care, like, like cray enough that yep. it might carry the case up to the Supreme Court. This did not happen, and but the legal battle was far from over. Can you imagine if the Supreme Court had to preside over Bratz dolls? <laughs> over like, one, come one, on. one universally agreed upon standard, standard of, of human beauty. beauty. <laughs> I just not human beauty. Sorry, female beauty. You know what? Honestly, if your eyeballs <gasps> don't take up a solid forty percent of your face. I just yeah. want to imagine this coming across Ruth Bader Ginsburg's desk. Can you <laughs> eh, Matt? Kavanaugh would be like, yeah, this tracks. Oh, oh, I'd boof that bitch. <laughs> I'd boof that bitch. Yeah. Kavanaugh would be like, I personally have several brat stalls. He'd be he'd be like, yeah, I fucked her sophomore year. So, anyway. Oh, God, I'm going to spit. I think this episode's going to be eight trillion years long. I don't care. So long. The case went back to district court, and this time the jury was much less convinced of Mattel's argument, so they're skeptical because they're a jury and not one random dude with One horrible issues. dude. Mm-hmm. MGA's lawyer called Mattel CEO Robert Eckert to the stand and asked him the following question. Say I am 18, doodling away. I place my doodles in my parents' house in one of the drawers in my teenage closet. 20 years later, I am hired by Mattel. I visit my parents' home and find the doodles. Does Mattel own them? is a valid question right but it's not the same but yeah i know but it's a valid question so they're it just is. trying to yeah and mattel ceo replied yes <gasps> probably Ooh, yes that's not the right answer that's not the answer no. i would have come to no. Mm-hmm. no 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 so what had seemed like a convincing case to the jury at the first trial seemed mm-hmm. to this jury like an absurd overreach on the part of Mattel. Yeah, you can't burst in operating like the asshole that you are because the original case is actually pretty solid. So stick yeah. to the facts here, If you people. weren't, right. right. You're losing them by being a greedy douchebag. If you right. weren't employed by Mattel at the time you made those illustrations, I would argue, right. no, you don't. Of course. Although I do see what the CEO was saying because if you just made a doodle and put it away in a drawer 
And then 20 years later, you're hired by Mattel and you randomly go back and you find your doodles and then they spark. Like, yes, they're they're ink on paper. But then from being hired at Mattel and from all of that, you know, influence, the this ink on paper then sparks the idea for a new toy. I get it. I mm-hmm. get it. I get it. And didn't he pitch it to Mattel and Mattel said no? He never pitched it to Mattel. Okay. Got it. He just used Mattel's scraps. Yes. Hence this mm-hmm. horrible gray area that is IP mm-hmm. right. legal mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm why this has to go to the Supreme Court. Imagine if intern Derek, who does not exist, (laughs) came across one of our episodes or emails or something Mm -hmm. and was like, that's an interesting idea for XYZ and then Mm -hmm. took it somewhere else and created Mm -hmm. something wildly successful and made a hundred million dollars in the first uh, year. In the first year after Mm -hmm. it was something that had been sparked while he was our intern Derek. LOL. He's fucking suing his ass too. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. So Th- this new jury ruled against Mattel and in favor of MGA, so the the Bratz people. Mm-hmm. And the judge ordered Mattel to pay more than three hundred million in damages. Should have just left it where it was. Fuck. Well, it was MGA who went back, right? MGA originally countersued. Got no, didn't MGA originally win well, and M- then Mattel M- appealed? MGA won this, the three million in damages, right? No. No, I don't remember. First case, MGA won $100 million. Yep. Mattel appealed. Okay. Mattel appealed. Right? Mattel now, no. I'm wrong. First case. the other way around. Mattel wins $100 million. Second MGA case, appeals. MGA wins $300 million. MGA won $300 million. Got MGA it. net up $200 So MGA yeah. okay. wins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's more. But oh, the good. court cases continued. <laughs> the companies continued to sue and countersue each other, and the matter still is not settled. Still. To this day? I mean, the last thing I saw was from October 2019. But we've been shut down for basically a year, so it's possible yeah. that this is still ongoing. I mean, it started in 2001, so. Wow. Mm-hmm. They don't even make Bratz dolls anymore, do they? They're coming back. Oh, God. So in the years since... They always come back. (laughs) It has been revealed that the corporate culture at Mattel, especially as it relates to the consideration of Barbie as intellectual property, is extremely over the top. So Mattel Mm -hmm. is like guarding Barbie with its life. Internal memos that were leaked to the press revealed discussions of a, quote, rival-led Barbie genocide, referring to Bratz dolls. What? What the fuck? There's actual genocide happening on the planet? What the fuck are you talking about, Barbie? What the fuck? Yep. That is not cool. the claim, this is in a memo, quote, 
This is war, and sides must be taken. Barbie stands for good. All others stand for evil. No, 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 no. This case is giving me heartburn. My God, you people need some perspective. What the fuck? In her twenty. In her 2017 book, quote, You Don't Own Me, How Mattel versus MGA Entertainment Exposed Barbie's Dark Side. Author Tums. Author Orly Lobel. <laughs> oh, no. That's what I wrote. <laughs> the rules Author are Orly Orly Lobel. Gesundheit. Honey noble. (laughs) Author Orly Lobel. Spit out your gum before you try this. I have a mouthful of Orly Lobel's morbles. Wow. I'm so so sorry. I'm so sorry. Orly Lobel. Roll jar. You are orally mistaken. (laughs) With this name. You are sorely mistaken. Oh, I'm so sorely. Don't sue us for Lobel. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> They're totally suing us for low. Oh, Orly. That's a really low blow. <laughs> Callie, like, thinks I'm choking because of how I'm talking and is checking on me right now. Lie down. It's I'm just broken. Orly Lobel. Brilliant, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Orly> probably. <laughs> <They're laughs> Explores the paranoid and litigious history of Mattel. One former employee who she interviewed, whom she interviewed, told her, "Quote, not quote, that he was." <laughs> I was just like, I'm following Shout along. There is their no shit quote one here. more time. We owe it to them. Orly Lobel. Orly Lobel. You don't own her me. Her 2017 book, You Don't Own Me, How Mattel versus MGA Entertainment Exposed Barbie's Dark Side. By Orly by Lobel. The, by the queen, Orly Lobel. So this Mattel employee told her. <laughs> That he was required to speak in meetings with his face turned away from the window so that any potential corporate spies with a telescope couldn't read his lips. (laughs) Sir, your lips. (laughs) Sir, your lips. So some other recent intellectual property lawsuits that Mattel had initiated around the time that they sued MGA included one against the pop band Aqua for their 1997 hit Barbie <laughs> oh, Girl. I remember that. Banger. 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 That shit fucks. How dare you? That shit fucking yeah. still slaps and still my slaps. Girl Scout troop did an entire Interpretive music video dance to that song. To yes. Yeah, if you didn't get together with your yeah. like middle school girlfriends yeah. and choreograph Come something on Barbie, to Barbie let's Girl. Let's go party. Let's ooh, go party. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
And also a lawsuit against a fetish store called Barbie's Shop, <laughs> which was actually named after the owner whose name was Barbara. Yeah, calm down. That's my name. And yeah. it's my shop. Also, watch out, Barbie Joe's <gasps> Antiques. Oh, and that antique place in Hollywood, Florida. Mm. Yeah. So good. So good. So Mattel versus MGA has become well-known in the legal community and in the press for its messiness, its long duration, and its ridiculous cost, much like this podcast. Episode mm, got in it. specific. One, <laughs> one person connected to the case stated anonymously in an interview, quote, this case has burned a bonfire of money, maybe the equivalent of the GDP of a small nation, and yet there is no real sense of what either company has gotten out of it. So they just Woof. keep suing each other. Nobody makes any money from the settlements because they keep being appealed. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. The continuous lawsuits have been a windfall for the corporate law firms, but that's about it. The case is also notable for the fact that a seemingly mundane disagreement over intellectual property has turned into a bizarre discussion of female beauty standards and sexuality and children, mm -hmm. leading to courtroom discussions about whether it's possible to own ideas like enlarged eyes and elongated limbs, and I would argue tits without nipples. Or tits with nipples, but no areolas, just the bump so that it shows through the shirt. Ooh, that's new. That's not LOL the LOL dolls. The yeah. newer ones have nipples. That's different. That's new. Just for the shirt aesthetic. For the Rachel. For the, I was going <laughs> to say. For the Rachel. <laughs> so in a not at all surprising twist, Judge Kaczynski resigned from his job <laughs> during the Me Too movement. Yep. After Bye -bye. more than a dozen women publicly accused him of inappropriate workplace candy. And he was like, well, since you don't fit the one standard of female beauty, this won't hold yeah. up anymore. Mm -hmm. So, goodbye. Author Orly Lobel. <sighs> interviewed Judge Kaczynski uh, for her book before these allegations became public and in response to a comment that Lobel made about Barbie being harmful to girls' body images, Kaczynski responded, quote, the only thing wrong that I saw when I held Barbie is when I lift her skirt, there is nothing underneath. Kaczynski said what? that? an interview! A judge? An author. A judge? On the uh -huh. record? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. I hate him. I hate him I so hate much. Him. I he hate did him. not shrink his children. That is no. two different no. people. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I hate him so much. In a perhaps sad twist, Carter Bryant, inventor of the Bratz dolls, lost the entire fortune he had made in his original deal with MGA, due to settlement money and legal fees that he owed because it's been going on for two decades. He even ended up having to auction his personal collection of first edition Bratz dolls for extra cash. Mm, I'm so, so sorry. Tiny Bratz doll sized. Yep, I have a, a Bratz doll sized violin. I hate everything yeah. about that. Thank you for this expose. 
it Thank was you so awful. Much. I'm sorry that was a long case, but there was a there lot, was a to, lot cover. to cover. Apparently. So let's hear a quick word from our sponsors who are hopefully not Mattel. Imagine this. You make a list of the gifts you're going to buy for the holidays, and then someone randomly gives you the money to help buy one of them. Mm-hmm. Sounds great, right? Yep. Well, guess what? That is what Honey is doing. They're helping to pay for $1 million worth of gifts. That's amazing. Yeah. So you're probably wondering, is this the same Honey that automatically searches for promo codes online? And yes. Yes, it is. You bet your booty. With Honey, <laughs> you bet your bottom dollar it is. With Honey, you can also make a list of all the holiday gifts that you want from certain stores, and Honey will email you when the price drops on anything on your list. Personal shopper with like it's a personal insight Santa. and automation. It's amazing. Yeah. And you just add Honey to your computer, create a free account, and throw some holiday gifts on your drop list for a chance to win. And Honey will randomly select winners and give them the money to help buy something on their list. (laughs) I mean, you're going to be using it anyway. Why not potentially get something taken care of for you? Exactly. And if that gift happens to be for yourself, who's going to know? No one's going to know. The other day, my mom and I were having a conversation about our, you know, what we're responsible for for the holiday family gift list. And the conversation quickly turned into just 25 to 30 minutes of my mom using honey while she shopped and just telling me when she got deals. (laughs) Not really having a conversation at all. Just telling me she was getting deals while I like put laundry away and was silent on the other end of the phone. It's exciting. And she needed an audience. She did, and I was happy to be that audience. And one of the great things about Honey is there's no purchase necessary. So for this prize giveaway that they're doing, you do need a PayPal account to redeem the prize, but you don't have to buy anything to get entered into this this pool. It's only valid in the U.S., and the giveaway ends on December 21st of 2020. So get on to Honey now so you can be part of that giveaway. Absolutely. There's no reason not to. So mm-hmm. get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash gals. That's G-A-L-S. Again, that's joinhoney.com slash gals. Treat your shopping. Treat it. The holiday season knows how to lighten your wallet. Sure does. <laughs> In a painful, painful way. And for many families, December is one of the most expensive months of the year, and not to mention the busiest. So if you're looking for a fast and easy way to put some money back in your pocket, why not reshop your home and auto insurance rates with Policy Genius? Yeah. Policy Genius combines a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save their home and auto customers an average of $1,000 per year. And better yet, it's really simple to use. Tell us more. Fortunately, it is really simple to use because insurance is not my department. No, and shopping around and comparing rates Mm -mm. on your own is a literal nightmare. It's so daunting. So first, to make your life easier, head to policygenius.com and answer, answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. And then Policy Genius just takes care of the rest. Couldn't be easier. They'll compare rates from over 30 top insurers from progressive to nationwide. Ever heard of them? To find the Mm -hmm. lowest quotes out there. Their licensed experts will look at all the ways to maximize your savings, including bundling your home and auto policies. (laughs) Who knew? Again, 
They're yep. just taking all of this confusing stuff right off your plate. And if Policy mm-hmm. Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll get you switched for free. Yeah. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. It's pretty great, too, because then you don't have to subject yourself to, like, multiple insurance salespeople who are going to be putting pressure on you and, like, hounding you to buy from them. Mm-hmm. Policy Genius just does the comparison shopping for you and then takes care of it. So if you're feeling the pinch during the holiday season, we all are. Find out how much you could save on home and auto insurance at policygenius.com. They've saved their home and auto insurance customers an average of $1,000 a year by reshopping. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You know, it is. Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store, bless, Mm -hmm. and makes home Mm -hmm. cooking easy, fun, and affordable. HelloFresh is literally the best. And right now, in the never-ending, unprecedented times, (laughs) it's really amazing to have something like HelloFresh, which offers convenient, no-contact delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. And I know that I only know how to make two things myself. And they are like mac and cheese from a box and something with rice. (laughs) Yeah, toast. Okay, three things. (laughs) So HelloFresh just offers a lot of variety to your meal planning and does the meal planning for you. They literally deliver fresh, high-quality, pre-portioned ingredients so that you can make meals that are delicious and nutritious and not just like stuck in the same routine that you're always doing. And it's allowed me to explore going a little bit more meatless recently. So I really like the vegetarian kits that are sent by HelloFresh. I recently made the honey miso sweet potato and shroom jumble. Yeah, it's like a little hash and you do it over lime rice. And there's zucchini. You literally make your own little like creamy sriracha sauce. They send you the limes to wedge and squeeze over the top like... Everything you need is in there. They send you the garnish, for goodness sakes. It's amazing. And my personal favorite thing about HelloFresh is that it helps you eat more sustainably. So not only are you skipping the grocery store, you're not paying gas, but you're like reducing your food waste by at least 25% because they're giving you the pre-portioned ingredients. So you're not overbuying, you're not burdening the planet and your wallet and using fossil fuels to get to the grocery store. It's just all around the best. Absolutely. I also love how it like teaches me how to cook uh, using new techniques. And also yeah. I've gotten the same meal a couple of times, which is great because it's so fantastic. But now I make mm. it on my own. Yeah, it teaches you new skills and then you can recreate those recipes and like the recipe card with the photos, you keep Mm -hmm. them so you can recreate these recipes anytime. So good. So go to HelloFresh.com forward slash GALS90 and use code GALS90, that's G-A-L-S-9-0 to get $90 off, including free shipping. One more time, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash GALS90 Use code GALS90 to get $90 off, including free shipping, and treat your mealtime. Treat it. Are you orally ready for my case? (laughs) Orally ready. (laughs) Okay. Talk to us for a little. (laughs) 
Um, so don't do us for if you saw the movie (laughs) (laughs) Oval Renbacher. If you saw the movie The Prestige, then you know where this is going, kind of. And no, I didn't remember the name of it, so I googled, quote, that movie with Hugh Jackman, Tesla, and figured it out. I feel like I I saw a different movie about Tesla and Edison. Mm -hmm. No, it was with Hugh Jackman, and it was called The Prestige. Yep, and it was such a stupid Google search that I did screenshot it to drop in the drive for the blog. (laughs) I don't think it's up there yet, but it will be there. So, also, I'm so bored by intellectual property and electricity that I basically downed six cups of coffee and put myself into a borderline cocaine-fueled state to write these notes. A borderline. And I will warn you, it shows. So, the Tesla-Edison feud is one of the most famous historical feuds and has maintained a pretty strong presence in current pop culture to this very day. Nikola Tesla was a 28-year-old Serbian immigrant when he arrived in New York City in 1884. He was young, he was straight-up brilliant, and he got a job really fast working under Thomas Edison, who himself, by the age of 37, had accomplished a fuck-ton in electrical engineering. So he had a fully functioning lab that was consistently making groundbreaking discoveries in technology, and he had recently come out with a newer and more efficient telegraph machine, which I assume is like the first iPhone, (laughs) and had already founded the Edison Illuminating Company that was literally bringing electric light into cities and homes across the country. They were like feuding against each other, though. They were like... At this point, they were not, because Tesla was working for Edison. Tesla came to the U.S. and got a job working oh, for damn. Thomas Edison. Yeah, he was like a young uh, ingenue. So neither mm-hmm. was like the the Amazon guy, Bezos. Bezos. Jeff yeah. Bezos? I mean, I guess you could kind of say that Edison was. Edison but was like Steve Jobs if Steve Jobs had a more brilliant intern that he fucked over. Correct. And if Steve Jobs was like a horrific okay. monster, and I we'll get to I think he it. was. But I anyway, mean, different yes, probably, but not, not in the way that Edison was. So when Tesla came knocking for a job, Edison was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. And Tesla got to work helping update and install equipment in the lab, repair generators, design brand new machines. Like he was in on the ground floor as basically a savvy lab maintenance guy. But pretty quickly, Edison was like, damn, this kid's legit. So about a year after starting to work for Edison, Tesla was like, wait, I can do this and I can do it better. So I'm going to go start my own electric lighting company, like do my own thing. And why should Edison have all the fun? I want to get in on this too. Mm -hmm. So he, Tesla, had a system of his own for efficient energy transmission that I'm not even really going to try to explain. So don't ask me and don't at me either. Just watch the current war. Exactly. Or the prestige. Google it. Just Google it. Bottom line. Benedict Cumberbatch. I'll Benedict, stop. Google it. <laughs> Benedict, Bottom line, Google it. <laughs> Tesla developed a system, his <laughs> system of alternating currents, so AC for induction motors, and this was the beginning of the epic nerd feud. AC. <laughs> so because we're in America, the foundation of the feud at first was like, okay, we have two systems. We have 
AC and DC, AC, DC. And yes, I was today years old when I realized that's AC, why DC. that band okay. is called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I today put that together old. on an airplane while watching The Current War starring Benedict Cumberbatch. They're both legit systems. Benedict only Edison. one can be the universal standard for this country, <laughs> and Edison was here first. So Edison wanted it to be him. So Edison's direct current, the DC method, was already widely used nationwide because he was the only one who was like, he invented the fucking light bulb, for God's sakes. Like, he was was the electricity man. Yes. But it had a big drawback. So as electric power grew as an industry, direct current power faltered when it came to, quote, converting low voltage from power plants into high voltage transmission lines that could carry electricity long distances. So getting from the power plant into people's homes was a challenge with DC power. Obvi, with the intention of, like, power being put in every home in America, this was going to be an issue. And Tesla, the slide dag, had solved this with AC, the alternating current method. So he figured out that using transformers, which if you ever see or hear one of those explode, it's really loud. Um, transformers as hubs for distribution would allow more control in raising and lowering voltages, which allows for fewer power plants but miles of transmission wire of electricity in between. So just in it case you system. know, like lower lower voltages are just like between like uh, smaller distances and then the higher voltages are between the longer distances. Is that how it happens? I think so. I think, I think it's a combination of like having control, more control of voltage and being able to like bring voltage to a hub and raise and lower voltage within that hub to like maybe generate some kind of charge and then continue its travel. So so it makes sense. It's doable with the AC method, but not doable with the DC. So it makes sense that these higher voltages have these boxes and those are more prone to explosion. I think so. Cause it's like a, those boxes are like a regulation (laughs) hub. So there's a lot going on yeah. in those bad boys. All I know is that one method is safer and one method is less safe. And also, well, you know that because of propaganda. And I don't we will think get they're more it. or less safe, really. So, sorry, American Edison, immigrant Tesla one upped you, sold these patents to George Westinghouse, who was like a BA at the time. So, George Westinghouse was an American entrepreneur living in Pennsylvania who achieved a lot as a young guy. So he created the railway air brake. Cool. Congrats. I'm sure Joe Biden loves you. And had a huge boner for the electrical industry. So at barely 20 years old, he's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to buy this patent and I'm going to help develop and revolutionize electricity as we goddamn know it. Okay. I am Westinghouse. Dude dumped everything he had into this like, partnership with tesla developing ac power like buying all these patents from tesla and making it happen and in 1911 in the greatest fuck you to edison ever he received the edison medal from the american institute of electrical (laughs) engineers and that is why you can't name a medal after a living person (laughs) yeah for quote meritorious achievement in connection with the development of the alternating current system lol burn and edison Edison was like in the room just pretty much had to present the award (laughs) wouldn't you even love it bitch So when Tesla and Westinghouse, couple named Testinghouse, teamed up, (laughs) shit really took off and Edison was pissed. So pissed, in fact, that he sunk hard cash into campaigning against AC power. And these campaigns were 
brutal. So he would promote DC power and then denounce AC power, saying it's dangerous, by giving public displays of AC power electrocution in front of a live audience. I remember this from the film. Uh And we've absolutely (gasps) mentioned Topsy the Elephant before. (gasps) That was Edison. Edison, here's the thing. Yeah, Edison was the one who like, Killed a bunch of things. Oh, yeah. Demonstrating Tesla's invention. Yep. AC power as being dangerous in, in, in propaganda moves. Morally ambiguous. Oh, it's fucked up. I can't linger on this portion like too long because it's so evil and heartbreaking, but it's also very important to the story. Um, but the Topsy the Elephant scene was one such a supervised display by Edison, curated and supervised by Edison of the danger of AC power. Um, and they they did this in 1903. They literally hung up and electrocuted Topsy the elephant in front of a live fucking audience. Did she die? It's like, did she die? So oh, yeah. She did die. Elephants are so beautiful and smart and perfect, and it's so terrible. Well, it's just so fucked up beyond belief and it also proves nothing against ac powers safe like about ac power safety other than the fact that if used for violence it will be violent so a quote from a vox mm. article that uh, is basically the backbone of this in- timeline for my entire case because it was so good but they put this perfectly by saying quote the logic wasn't particularly sound it's like saying drowning cats in vats of soda proves that sugar is bad for you so, like, of course, if you use the soda in that manner, yeah. you're going to kill something. Right. But that doesn't mean that soda and sugar are dangerous in that way. Well, they so are, what's worse, but in a different way. Well, right, but not in right. not in that example. If you use too much of something, it can be real bad, but yeah. that's not the typical use. Exactly. So what's worse is that Edison didn't need to fucking do this at all for any reason. Like... This is some Trump level, like losing the election bullshit because Edison, by 1903, when he brutally and needlessly and painfully killed this beautiful and innocent animal, I literally cannot, he had already lost the fight to Testinghouse. So Westinghouse had already won a bid to electrify the World's Fair in 1893, which at the time was like Shark Tank times a billion. Yeah, like if you big. were featured as an inventor or entrepreneur at the World's Fair, you had fucking made it. This is how people learned every new thing that was coming into the world. Mm. And their ability to power the entire fair had sealed the deal for selling AC power across the nation. Like, absolutely no contest. So three years later in 1896, General Electric, GE, completely converted, see what I did there, from DC to AC power, and this was swiftly becoming the standard. So Edison was already outdone when he killed poor Topsy seven fucking years later. So he was just, couldn't let it go. Conniving piece of shit. Mm. I will die mad about it. This is so... Exemplary of the Trump administration. I'm so sorry. There's like, if Trump could be like publicly killing to try to denounce Mm. Biden, he would fucking do it. Anything. So once again, yes, it's called. I mean, yes, COVID nineteen. Healthy anti mask. If there were a live healthy element that (laughs) that Trump could trot out. And electrocute mm-hmm. in front of a crowd if he thought that and it would if win, he thought quote, that unquote, that would win him the election. The election, he would do it. 
he'd do it. So again from Vox, quote, Edison's elephant electrocution was an after-the-fact flail at relevance. DC had already lost. It was a Hail Mary. Yep. So Tesla at this point was like, dope. I sold my patent to Westinghouse. Uh, Westinghouse is clearly crushing it. I'm going to keep spreading my wings and making a ton of shit. So he's already giving traveling lectures by 1892. He's making huge strides in the development of radio. And despite what historical pop culture tells us, he really didn't think about Edison very much. Like he was not worried about their quote unquote feud. That was pretty fucking one-sided. And I do believe that. Like, he's out on his own. He's doing rad shit. He's not engaging in this bull while Edison is the one being an insane, like, pouting toddler and perpetuating the Freaking myth out. of this epic feud that to Tesla was meaningless and dumb and he just really didn't get involved in. Mm-hmm. So Thomas Edison, Thomas Edison Trump, and I can only imagine some version of COVID-addled, hair-dye-dripping, audibly-farting <laughs> Ruby Giuliani keep at their fear-mongering techniques to take down Tesla and Westinghouse, and it turns out they'd been doing it on a smaller scale than to- than the Topsy killing for years. So this is from Smithsonian Mag. In June of 1888, Edison began to demonstrate the lethal power of alternating current, AC current, for reporters. He rigged a sheet of tin to an AC dynamo and let a dog onto the tin to drink from a metal pan. Once the dog had touched the metal surface, it yelped, and quote, the little cur fell and died, is what he said. What the Electricity fuck? will kill a man, quote, in the 10,000th part of a second, is what he was trying to prove to these reporters. Edison told one reporter shortly after the demonstration, and he was quick to remind him that, quote, the current should come from an alternating machine. So, like, this so was him. Is he trying to say that DC current couldn't? Is safer. But, like, DC current couldn't be used to kill. Did he kill the dog? What he's, yeah, he killed that dog. Yeah, he killed a a bunch of animals. A lot of animals. Mm -hmm. Um, He, yes, that's essentially what he's trying to say is AC current will kill you. DC current will not. So, but I mean, DC current used in that capacity could fucking kill you too. Like you can get electrocuted in all kinds of ways. So Westinghouse was like, dude, ew, stop. We get what you're trying to do, and this is fucked up. Stop and killing he animals. Edison, he sent Edison a letter that read, quote, I believe there's been a systemic attempt on the part of some people to do a great deal of mischief and create as great a difference as possible between the Edison Company and the Westinghouse Electric Co. when there ought to be an entirely different condition of affairs. Yeah, like fucking Hit him hard, Westinghouse. But Edison did not cooperate, and he kept at it. He did prove, however, that AC power, when used in a specific way, was way more, like, could be more lethal because it's more efficient than DC power. So we do owe Edison's hatred of Tesla's tech for the electric chair. I was going to say, yeah, and this like, is where the that U.S. government ch- was like, I want it. It and can this is kill where- an elephant? Yeah. This is where, like, some of that trade secret stuff comes into play. So a New York State prison reached out to Westinghouse originally, because they were the owners of the IP, wanting to develop an AC power electric chair for prison executions. Westinghouse immediately was like, fuck no, and refused to sell the tech to him. So Edison, the fucking snake, found himself a workaround. Again, from the specific. Edison is really a horrible monster fucking bad person like no white male from that era is a good person really or like any era but 
He was particularly awful. Wow. Again, from the Smithsonian Mag, quote, an electricity salesman named Harold Brown was commissioned by the state to build an electric chair, and Edison was paying him behind the scenes and, like, feeding him the information he knew Mm. about the AC current for the design. Mm. Somehow, Brown got his hands on some AC dynamos, which somehow being he got them from Edison, who'd Mm. been using them in these experiments for years. Mm. And sure enough, the device was built, and on August 6th, 1890, William Kemmler was the first to be executed in America with the electric chair. Mm -hmm. The execution was horrific. Mm -hmm. So he survived for several minutes after, like, the first Ah. wave of voltage and was noted to still be breathing and gasping for air after the first round of electrocution, and they had to throw the switch again to finish the job, while bystanders were literally passing out and vomiting at the site of it. That is so horrific and so much worse. First of all, I'm not not okay with the death penalty. No, hard no. But that is so much- Give me the firing squad for fuck's sake. Yeah, which the Trump administration is actually trying to bring back. Mm -hmm. But like- Firing squad- the firing yeah. squad is honestly all of it's what disgusting. they're trying to bring horrible. back. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, before he leaves office, that's their lame duck. They're trying to bring back the firing squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so gross. It's all terrible, but like this is fucking terrible. It's all it's terrible. Really bad. So Westinghouse again is fucking pissed. He's furious. This, plus the animal killings, was actually also working a little bit to undercut AC power sales and promotion, and Westinghouse also paid over $100,000 in legal fees to take this electric chair bullshit to the Supreme Court uh, for cruel and unusual punishment in a case that obviously lost well, because... Well, can you imagine if Wine and Crime podcasts were used to, like, torture prisoners at Guantanamo Bay? Which, I like, feel terrible about they it. They very well could be. I know, please God, I hope that's not happening because it would work. But like, yeah, it would be horrible and awful. It'd be fucked up. So regardless of this dark, like near decade in the history of electrical engineering, AC power did win out and is the standard in the United States. So in terms of intellectual property theft, obviously we have this trade secret issue and there's a lot of rumor. A lot of it's not 100% substantiated, but there's a lot of rumor surrounding Edison and whether or not he is like a legitimate inventor. Much of his historical legacy paints him as a thief who was good at hiring smart people to work for him and then taking credit for their revolutionary inventions. So he might not have even invented electric, well, not electricity, but the light bulb. He, he, he may have. Like, mm. and he, you know, a lot of that technology could have been his, but it also could have been like w- apprentice technology that he. Mm had the the power and the wherewithal to market and then he gets to say Claim. it's his. Yeah. So whether or not this is 100% true is still unclear and an employee of Edison's who was eventually enticed to move over to Westinghouse Electric Co mm-hmm. as the chair of their electrical engineering department. So like they keep siphoning off people from Edison's yeah. company which is great. A lot of poaching which like yeah. is kind of a Do dick move know. but like I get it. But this guy would literally go on to launch radio into the stratosphere. Like in 1906, he was the first person to broadcast words and music via radio waves. So this guy was also super brilliant. And he had something to say about Edison being an IP thief. And he said, quote, 
The question has often been put to me, is Edison really a good inventor? Are not his inventions really due to his assistance? Having worked with him for a number of years and having made a rather special study of the science of invention and of inventors, my own conclusion is that all of the inventors which go by his are inventions which go by his name were made by him personally, and that there is only one figure in history which stands in the same rank with him as an inventor, and that is uh, Archimedes. Archimedes. What a name that yeah. goes down in, in history. history. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there is a lot of loyalty there still to Edison, even though he didn't work for him anymore. One person's opinion doesn't somebody can be a brilliant inventor and also a steal ideas yeah so in my absolutely uninformed and not rooted in any fact opinion edison was a piece of shit who would clearly do cruel shit to get ahead including stealing ac power tech to sell to a new york state prison to bolster his campaign about how dangerous ac power is so like yeah, he could absolutely have been a legacy IP thief, and I think he probably was. But in the epic battle of Tesla versus Edison, the only thing that really matters to me is this portion of a LiveScience.com article which begged the question, who was the most fashionable? <laughs> Quote, Tesla was tall, slender, and imposing with a dashing mustache and an impeccable sense of style, Carlson said. His top hat and tails were even on display in a museum in Serbia. By contrast... Even on display, display. in a museum in Serbia? Well, he was a Serbian immigrant, so I that's know. probably why they put his top hat and tails in a museum. But, you know, either way, get it, Tesla. By contrast, Edison was known to be a bit of a slob. Quote, we're not really interested in seeing what Edison wore because it was pretty forgettable, Carlson said. <laughs> Edison even wore shoes two sizes too large so that he could slip in and out of them without stepping down to untie them. What a travesty. Okay, I get that. I buy all of my shoes a half size too large, and I love it. I couldn't do two sizes, but though. That's like clown shoes. That's pretty extreme. problem. So, cheers to you. I take offense. I would say, hey, glad you're, glad you're having your big a good shoes. time. Do not tell me about how well your shoes are fitting. Cheers. Great. And with that, and with that, uh, that's my case. Hmm. Well done. done We did it. I love electricity and I thank you so much. I love electricity. I'm a big fan of electricity. Hot take. We're using it right now. We will see you next week, given the fact, given that we have electricity. Assuming we have electricity. There we go. We'll be back. (laughs) <laughs> also special thanks beyond electricity to our fan picker caitlin jennings happy early or a spot on or belated birthday or all three depending I'm on so when glad you're you were this. born at some point god bless me too yeah congrats on your birth <laughs> well done we'll see you next week <laughs> bye-bye Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.